Howdy, y'all. So I'm still doing my second Patreon push, which involves all of these charity episodes. Uh, again, money will go to my student, Garrett, um, fifth grader with brain cancer. Uh, he's uh, got another month left of his radiation therapy. Then he gets a bit of the summer uh, off from treatments, which is good. And he starts up chemotherapy in August, and that'll go for like a year of like five days a week stuff. So horrible stuff, but he's toughening it out so far, and he's in good shape now with radiation, so we'll see how the chemo treats him. But uh, in August, he starts that back up, so I'm, I'm pulling together money a little more gradually this time to write the family another check in August. And the first of these charity episodes is out now. Perry Grip of famous nerdcore pop punk band, Honest Don's Fat Records Band, um, Arista Records Band in the 90s. They opened for Weezer, wrote the Buffy Vampire Slayer theme. We're talking about Nerf Herder. I love me some Nerf Herder, but most of you might have heard him on uh, Buffy. Well, now Perry's gone solo, and he wrote all these crazy songs you've probably heard about waffles and dipping things and uh hamsters on piano eating popcorn on piano and raining tacos even putting out a book soon through harper collins called raining tacos says dude's uh he's making his money off of streaming which uh is next to impossible to do these days so dude writes amazing funny kid songs as well as geeky dorky weird awkward adult pop punk songs so Perry Grip is his name, and he's the first charity episode. You can download that. This might be a podcast.bandcamp.com. I have lowered it now to $3. Okay, and that's the episode for May. The episode for June is going to be Allie Gertz, another famous nerd and musician and Simpsons podcaster. July is going to be Brian Doherty and Tony Maimonet of the John Henry era uh, rhythm section. We're going to be talking about AKA Driver, which they get co-writing credit on uh august is going to be mike park of asian man records uh probably also in august or else in september is going to be justin mcelroy coming back on to talk about the captain um yeah ellie gertz is talking about trouble awful devil evil so that's gonna be good yeah so those will each be about five bucks when they come out i'll lower them as they go and then they'll be free in a month but you pay for them the money goes to the key for family so you can get those on Bandcamp. Or you can PayPal me directly, message me in whatever capacity to find out that so that Bandcamp doesn't take fees. But Bandcamp is easy, so if you get them there, that's fine. You can overpay a little bit to offset the fees if you'd like. Pay what you want. Uh, Well, $3 minimum, pay more if you want. So this might be a podcast.bandcamp.com or hit me up about how to PayPal me directly. This money will be collected until August. also got some big news coming out about, uh, well, I'll just keep that secret for now. So these charity episodes coming all summer, as well as your regular weekly episodes. So um, let's get on with the really big shoe, Thunderbird and Unearth My Nina. Oh, my God. Hang on. Hang on. Fight. <laughs> Podcast, podcast, it might be great, it might be guest, it might be a big, big man. Podcast, podcast, in your ear, TMB, everywhere. We can't be 
<laughs> Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I am your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with uh, a fresh new guest, but uh, list- long-time listener of the show, Steve Pence, and we're going to do a little uh, double dose here of some forever-linked songs, Thunderbird, and On Earth My Nina from the Spine and Long Tail Weekend, respectively. So here we go. Burden of things walking out. Burden of things walking out on Earth, my Nina. On Earth, my Nina. God forbid a vagrant feet. National hell marked me. Save the sparrow wants a morbid arrow. Here's the one that I would quit. Alright, I promise no more after this. You don't know how I tried to forget what it was like. I remember now, I remember now why they called it Thunderbird. Why they called it Welcome to the show, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> I'm definitely a tenor. I, uh, yeah. I, Thank you very much, Greg. Yeah. I appreciate it. Welcome, welcome. Uh, from uh, Calif- California, are you, uh, are you a native Californian? I am. I am actually a third-generation Los Angeles area person. My grandmother was born here. And your grandmother was a your great grandmother and grandfather were prospectors out hunting for gold. Yeah, close. My <laughs> great grandfather was uh, he was a set painter for MGM. He worked oh, on My Fair Lady. Holy shit! Uh, That's so cool. From that era. That's amazing. So, yeah, my my grandmother used to tell me a story about how she met Marlon Brando on the set of uh, Guys and Dolls. That's the one. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, she was you know a small child. Sure, yeah. sure. That's all right. Yeah, and I and I've done a little bit of of movie type work myself. Yeah, tell us about that. You are a a performer of another sort, more of, of the stage variety, right? Yes, generally, um, I'm a classical singer which um, differs from other kinds of singers in that we are self-amplified for the most and part. And that you can read music. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can, yeah. We, I, I'm a musician. I'm not saying all singers are musicians, but I know I am. Um, <laughs> I mean, they all are in a way. Some are just more, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, classically <laughs> trained like yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so generally I perform in, uh, well, I perform in choirs and also I do uh, opera chorus and I perform opera roles and uh, lots of concert solos. And so I sing to a room of, you know, generally between 800 and 4,000 people without a microphone. And the the sort of technique that we use as classical singers allows me to do that. If you've ever wondered... Why do opera singers sing that way? It's because <laughs> over the course of several centuries, um, this technique was developed that allowed a voice to project that well and to have that range of frequencies in the in the sound. You got to use that diaphragm. 
<laughs> yes, the diaphragm is assigned. It's involuntary, but important. Oh, I just shit. I just realized we didn't take a picture yet. Can we take a oh picture of, of us? I think we should be okay, sure. pretending to sing opera. What do you think? Oh, sh- okay. You ready? Yeah, I'm game. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me pretending and you actually singing. Yeah. Well, yeah, continue. So you you were telling me a little bit before the proper intro um, that uh, a lot of your stuff has been put on hold and pushed just like so many other musical uh, performances. But uh, tell me a little bit about uh, going back pre-pandemic, how um, how you got into this field. Well, I'm, I'm guess did you go to college uh, for music? Yes, yes. I went to Chapman University in Orange, California, which is a little private university with a very nice music school. And from there, I went to New England Conservatory, which mm. is uh, a very well-known brand name, East Coast Music Conservatory. Yes. That, um, well, I went there. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what to make of that tone. <laughs> I, yeah, no, they, uh, I, I had some issues with the sort of ethics of the way that they did business in letting in, mm. you know, 175 music majors and then just sort of shunting the great majority of them off to a section to be forgotten. Ah, um, the, uh, like I, I, I would I guess got, the richest of the, uh, the, the parents that donate the most to the conservatory, their, their kids got the attention just taking a while i guess i don't don't know i i i did i got a good bit of attention and stage experience and it all went well for me and i had friends who were very good singers who did not Mm. have the opportunities that i had and um, i took issue with that but um and also the the other issue was that when i was there the faculty was impossibly old um (laughs) that was i i think nearly all the teachers who were there when I was studying have since passed on. Oh, wow. Um, have you kids heard so, of this yeah. rock and roll music? I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> Yo, yeah I know. I remember I was talking to my teacher who has since passed about how I couldn't go to a master class because I had tickets to see They Might Be Giants mm-hmm. at the Avalon in Boston. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to remember what it was called. He was like, you're going to a, to a, was a concert <laughs> What is what do they call it? A, a rock concert? Yes. <laughs> rock so, and yeah, or roll. Good, good illustration there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I did all that. I went through music. I did grad school. Too much grad school. Got into uh, astonishing amount of debt, which continues to uh, impact my life to this day. Mm. And then I came back out to Los Angeles because um, trying to build a classical singing career in Boston is a pretty tricky proposition, especially if you're not an early music person, which I'm not especially. Mm. Um, as in, so as in like the oldest of the classics. Yeah. 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 Like Bach and before, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, yeah, you know, just some, those guys, um, lots of really straight tone, sort of small production, very precious kind of hmm. like, which is, is cool. It's what it is. And that's great. It's just not my voice. Sure. Um, so I came out to Los Angeles and auditioned for the LA master Corral, uh, which is a fully professional hundred voice choir we have out here and, um, the LA opera chorus. And I was hired for both which was great. I was able to quit my job at Borders. (laughs) And um, 
I signed out with a group called Orange <laughs> County Opera. Yes, R.I.P. Borders. <laughs> oh, it was a good job, actually. It didn't pay anything, but it was fun. And, um, yeah, I just picked up gigs, uh, sang a lot of concert solos. Whenever people need things, people in town know who I am, and they hire me. And um, and did some movie recording as well really? for soundtracks and stuff. Like what? Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see. The fanciest thing I've done is probably uh, The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. For real? <laughs> yeah. What? That was, yeah, they hired, they contracted the LA Master Corral, which is why I got those. And um, usually when you record a movie, you go into the studio. This was on the Streisand stage at Sony. Um, you go into the room and they'll have risers and all the things set up for you and your, your, uh, your cues, you know, the actual little sections of music that they want you to sing. And the orchestra will have done their whole thing already. And so you all get cans, you all get headphones and you sit there and there's usually the contractor conducts you and you record the stuff. But John Williams doesn't have to do that because he's John Williams. <laughs> so we got there and we're seeing, and I'm seeing all these orchestra players that I know from the opera. Cause there's most of the, most of the opera orchestra works in film. And um, I'm like, Hey, the orchestra is here. And we get in there and it's just, you know, it's a big band for a John Williams score. It's probably, 80 pieces or more. Yeah. And there's the, I don't know, 60 or 70 of us from the master corral and we're all set up and everybody's just live in the room. And you know, it's really exciting. We know we're doing star Wars. Uh, the paperwork um, for last Jedi was called space bear space. That bear. was the, the listed <laughs> title space bear. Which I enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we get in there and uh, we're all excited and the sky walks out with his bearded and he's older gentleman. He says, Hey everybody. Um, I'm John. Thank you so much for coming. We're glad to have the master crowd here. Holy shit. Uh, let's do some music. Holy shit. And so, <laughs> and so, wow. and so he starts it up and just all around the choir, like, holy shit, that is some star Wars music they're playing <laughs> right now. And we're going to sing. That's amazing, um, man. It, yeah. So, and you can, you can hear us yeah. in the, the big, um, the big climactic fight on the, the white planet with the red and, all that when he's charging at the cannon, you can hear us singing. And this is which uh, which one of the Star Wars movies again? This is Last Jedi. Last Jedi. I'm going to see if I can um, find it. I might need someone with uh, Disney Plus to to grab that audio for me because <laughs> well, we don't we don't have it. Um, well, the, yeah. So that that's probably the most prestigious thing I've done. The most high visibility thing is in Happy Feet Two, which was not Happy Feet One, unfortunately. <laughs> um, in Happy Feet 2, there's a bit where uh, a Russian science vessel is coming to rescue the penguins because they've been penned in by <laughs> an iceberg. Oh. And then it starts snowing and they have to pull out and it's sort of chaotic. But over the back is this mournful Russian solo and that's me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that that's probably going to be a better excerpt for you. Well, I I got to play the Star Wars thing. I also found on, on okay. Spotify, okay. it has the, the Last Jedi original motion picture soundtrack. Um, do you know what the name so I I I'm not seeing Space Bear. <laughs> do you know Do you know what it Right, do you know what it would have been called the piece? It would be near the end, something like Assault on the Cannon maybe okay. or let me see if I can bring it up. I mean maybe you could figure it out for me just I mean before I edit this thing but Yeah, if I can take a look at the list. If these are in second. movie order, the last four okay. are 
or the last five are the Battle of Crate, the Spark. Battle of Crate, that should be it. Okay. Okay, let me see if Happy Feet soundtrack is on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, the track is called Snow Stops Play featuring Steve Pence. Oh, you got your name on there. That's amazing. Yeah, my name's on the track, baby. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's how I became friends with uh, John Powell, who's this like, terribly famous uh, film composer out here. Um, he's, he's done the How to Train a Dragon soundtracks. Okay. And like, he has so many credits. And um, so I got to know him through that. And then he composed uh, an oratorio called A Prussian Requiem about World War One and um, uh von Moltke and the Kaiser and I play the Kaiser in this oratorio and we took uh-huh. that to um, Montevideo in Uruguay and we did it in Lima a few years back and we wow. recorded it in London. I've been So that I've, was really great. Yeah, that I've been doing cool things. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah I, uh, I proposed to my wife at, uh, Machu Picchu in 2000. Oh nice. Five. Yeah 2005. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> flew into lima mostly in cusco there and then we were in bolivia that's uh sure. dude man you got some uh you got some cred here you got some uh some some uh, do you have an you have an imdb page then too i'd imagine i do have an imdb oh. page i don't know who set it up or why but it's there yeah i don't know how those get I mean, it, yeah, it, so we did, yeah, probably not there's probably I've some been, automated thing that like whenever yeah. some credit comes up and so then, yeah I sang on Pacific Rim and the Gareth Edwards Godzilla and a wow. bunch of... Oh, uh, Secret Life of Pets. Man, these are blockbuster um, movies. This is not just like some indie films. Right, I mean, yeah. Star Wars, well, that's, for Christ's sake. 
there's a reason for that, which is that in order to actually record in Los Angeles, you have to pay SAG rates and mm-hmm. you have to uh, pay into the residual. We get residuals off of that, which is a teeny tiny few points of the gross. Um, so I get, you know, I get checks for $1.39 and, <laughs> and less than a dollar. Yeah, on a fairly regular basis. I know. I understand on a much smaller scale how that goes. I mean, you know, my stuff's all on Spotify and stuff, and my two sure. my two bands, and you know, I've had, you know, one of my bands has been in a couple of small. Uh, we've had our pieces in small, like soundtrack stuff, more like regional, mm-hmm. regional stuff, and like uh, right. documentaries and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, you'll get a check for like $90. And it's just like that one time, like, we paid you $90 for your song. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, like it's on our album anyway, you know, and we can still sell the album. It's not like we did something exclusive for them. She's like, that's an extra 90 bucks, you know, whatever. (laughs) But yeah, uh, uh, Spotify is uh, crazy. I mean, on all the streaming stuff, like the digital distribution deal we have is like, uh, they basically cut you a check every time it gets to 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. We're not getting too many checks here because <laughs> it takes a long time for those pennies to add up. <laughs> yep, you know for sure we're not uh, T Swift over here. We're, no, we're not, we're not the weekend getting those big streams. I am. I am still waiting on my first residual. The first residual is almost always the best, unless something weird happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first one for Rise of Skywalker. So I'm. I'm hopeful. The thing is the way. Um, I'm sure this will be incredibly interesting to your listeners. Um, the way residuals work for us is that there's a piece of the pie that is reserved for SAG residuals because mm-hmm. we're, we're all SAG members, even though we're off camera singers. Sure. And so depending on how many SAG members are on a call and how many days those people work, that preset piece of pie is split among all those people. So when it's a huge movie, we get way less. If it's an animated movie where you have maybe 20 like voice actors and then the choir, it's a, we get a lot more. Yeah. You know, I did the Lorax and <laughs> I got a nice little four figure check for the first residual off that. Cool. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you're, uh, you're making a living singing. So that's, uh, I, it's amazing. Yeah, since since 2005, I've been oh. a full-time singer. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, being in movies, movies are still making money. Music, as a standalone <laughs> medium, not as much. But the music in movies, that's, uh, you know, you're, you're in a nice spot there. You know, yeah. I mean, people can pirate DVDs or whatever and bootleg movies, but it's not cutting into the profits like streaming has cut into music yeah you know? it, it really seems like people have come to a consensus that they don't care to spend money on music anymore yeah yeah <laughs> that's why i'm into podcasting people are spending money on podcasts <laughs> it's, it's sad but it seems that's where we are i'm making significantly more off my podcasts than i am off of my uh bands playing original music you know <laughs> yeah i mean especially since we haven't been able to play a show in a year uh yep, i feel that like we, we we printed new t-shirts a new t-shirt design like right at the front of the pandemic and then we've sold three you know you know as soon as we could play mm-hmm. some shows people will pick them up but as far sure. as the mail order went it was it was uh 
you know, it's let's we'll call it a, a soft opening for the T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think playing in a band is a lot like being in professional wrestling in that it appears to be a T-shirt based economy. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. You know, I mean, there are still some people that will buy CDs or especially if they want to just support you or whatever. Um, they'll just buy it to have like that piece of artwork or whatever. But uh, yeah, T-shirts are where it's at because, yeah, it's not streaming. Mm-hmm. It's not physical. And vinyl is doesn't make sense for a band of our size to, to press vinyl sure. as much as I'd love to. You know, we're not going to move a thousand records. <laughs> you know, maybe by the time I die, we'd sell the, the thousandth copy. But like, you know, you need to, right. you need to be selling in the thousands to, to make any profit. But anywho, anywho, let's move on to uh, the history of your fandom of, of They Might sure. Be Giants. You are the, the first, obviously, the first professional... Uh, classical singer. I've had uh, Cornmo on. Cornmo, uh, real name, John. Uh, yeah. He has sung a lot of classical stuff, and um, I'm pretty sure he's, he's still making a living off music. But So he does some classical singing, but as far as operatic singers and people in friggin' Star Wars movies, you're the first <laughs> They Might Be Giants fan associated officially with Star Wars to be on the show. So, <laughs> all right. I can, I can look askance at all the subsequent classical singers who have sung on Star Wars soundtracks. That's Johnny you're, Come Lately. You're the first, yeah. <laughs> uh, so how did you get into They Might Be Giants? <laughs> I Let's see. I would have been in early high school, I think. And um, May I ask how old you are? I think I... Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I was born in late 78, so I'm 42 years old. The answer to life, the universe, and everything. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I would. so I would have been in high school in the early 90s, um, like 93, 94, right around there. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, uh, Ryan, I think, lent me Flood. I think that's right. I'm not sure that's right, but I think it's right. And I think I, I think I had seen Tiny Toon Adventures. Mm-hmm. You know, that's right in the pocket for that. Um, and I thought those videos were great and didn't really know anything about where they came from. But I got a hold of a copy of Flood from, I think, from my friend Ryan and listened to it. And I copied it to tape because it was 1993 mm-hmm. and listened to it a lot. I, gave, I listened to it a lot. But I didn't really go beyond that. It was sort of like this thing. It's like, oh, here's this completely awesome thing, and it is what it is. Um, and of course, and I, you know, we, I wasn't, I wasn't hooked up to the internet at that point, yeah, yeah. and didn't. If you did, if things didn't come, you know, they might be giants. Doesn't come knocking on your door. You have to go looking just a little bit. Right, right. And then uh, fast forward to college. Um, I was driving back from a show. We'd seen uh, the Reverend Horton Heat. Mm. at the galaxy which was not really my tribe but a cool show yeah <laughs> lots, of, lots of fords and dyed black bangs <laughs> and uh white t-shirts <laughs> with cigarette packs <laughs> rolled up in the sleeves yeah um <laughs> but it was a really great show but we were driving back and my girlfriend's friend was playing lincoln in the car and i heard it and it just it hit me so hard like every song came around, I was like, "This speaks to my soul <laughs> in a way that in a way that I I really didn't get with Flood." Oh yeah, and um, well, as much as I liked it and as much as I listened to it, I didn't. Yeah, it didn't hit me that way. And so from that point on, I was just I was getting their whole back catalog, 
up to that point, which wasn't that uh, much. At that that would have been yeah. What's that? Which wasn't that many well, records yeah, not, at that point. Not not compared to now. You know, that's that's Pink, Lincoln, um, Apollo. Yeah, Apollo eighteen. Mm-hmm. Next, yeah, yep. Apollo Flood. And I think Factory Showroom maybe hadn't even come out yet. Uh, John Henry would have been the next one, 94. John Henry. Yes, yeah. John Henry was out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, John Henry was definitely out. Um, yeah. uh, incidentally, one of my dreams is to go on tour with They Might Be Giants to sing uh, the octave lower parts that uh, sometimes appear in their songs <laughs> and also do Oh, Do Not Forsake Me for them. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Did you listen to that episode? <laughs> Did you listen to that What's episode that? back in January? I haven't heard it yet. I'm looking forward to that. It's uh, it's a good one because um, Matt Hemingway got a hold of the through through the uh, the group that sang that because that is not the John singing that. Right, right. Well, he got a hold of the actual score that a PDF of the handwritten score nice. that those guys did, and he does a five part, you know, like picture in picture whatever youtube video uh-huh. of him singing uh you know from the music <laughs> all the parts and it's it's spot on that's fantastic yeah i love it yeah well hey maybe your best in for the name of giants is you know cornmo's open for them uh it's been a long time but you know he's down with the band he did no cops with them in 2015 yeah. and uh, uh yeah you get a little chummy with him and then maybe next time you know if he goes on the road with them you're like hey i'll be your backup singer and there you go. <laughs> well, I just, I just, I need, uh, I think I need John Henry to attain the cultural cachet of Flood before um, a big anniversary so that they can do a John Henry tour. I think that's key. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, with how well their Flood shows sold, I mean, despite the fact they had to be pushed two years yeah. uh, by the time they actually happened, um, you know, while an Apollo full album in 2020, uh, if they do that, 30th anniversary, you know, 2024, do John Henry. I mean, while those weren't the, uh, like, alternative radio hits that, you know, stuff like Flood, you know, Birdhouse and Istanbul and stuff were, sure. they would still sell very well with fans, and I don't see them having a problem mm-hmm. selling those out for any album's 30th anniversary, honestly, until, you know, people start debating over, you know, Long Tall Weekend or Mink Car and if they're any good or not. You know, maybe those would be a little more <laughs> iffy. Those are still a ways down the road. <laughs> I mean, they were supposed to right. do full Mink Car 20th anniversary stuff last fall. I think mm. I think they're still planning to do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The joke going around is that um, the flood shows when they do happen, there's supposed to be some flood shows that happen in the fall still that have not been pushed this fall, 2021. Uh-huh. And it was something like flood shows asterisk featuring songs from Mink Car. And so <laughs> the joke, and I love Mink Car, <laughs> but the joke, all these memes started going around where it was just various whatever the image was, and then asterisk featuring songs from Mink Car. Uh, yeah. just, just tacked on there. <laughs> so the, uh, yeah. the the Marvel Comics version of that is putting an asterisk at uh, Earth at the bottom of a page uh-huh. because in the old Thor comics, every time they would refer to Midgard. There had to be an asterisk and then a note Earth. And so you just, when you're reading a collection of old Thor comics, it's every friggin' issue. You're just. That's funny. (laughs) So why didn't they just call it Earth? Yeah. That's Um, weird. Yeah. So my, I I should say, my abiding, the abiding obsessions of my life are uh, probably comic books first. They might be giants, video games, and singing. 
Singing is fourth. <laughs> it's yeah. in there. Well, sure, you know, yeah. it's like when so, when something is your job, right? Day in and day out, you you it can change your relationship with it. Yeah, and I I love it, and I love the things that I'm able to do with it. But it's I can't you know it can't be everything I eat and drink forever. Right, right. and this is why you know while music is my job, it's you know making music with kids and teaching music Mm -hmm. so it's a different angle than than this or any of my rock music stuff but it's the reason why around christmas time at at all costs well not at all costs but whatever i can do to avoid (laughs) hearing christmas music outside of school i will do like i i mean geez you know we were celebrating christmas uh you know mostly alone this year obviously sure and the only things i put on like going and like myself putting on christmas music we listened to the vince guaraldi charlie brown score sure and we and then the um phil specter's uh you know girl girl group christmas yeah right that those are the only (laughs) the only two i'm like i will listen to those you know i'll listen to you know the Ronettes do Frosty the Snowman, or was that the Crystals? Yeah, that? you're not yeah. you're not going to get tired of Darling Love singing "Merry Christmas, Baby, Please Come Home." Exactly <laughs> right, but like it's, teaching it's kids, cool. yeah, just doing Christmas music for six or seven weeks, you know, for my job Oof. every year. It's like I do not want to bring my work home with me. I do not want to hear Rudolph again ever. I mean. You know, you know, maybe when our when our, as our daughter gets older, it's like you know, I, I guess you know, maybe we'll play, be playing more Christmas music. And we showed her Rudolph, and she was scared by the abominable snowman. But you know, I, <laughs> scary monster. <laughs> uh, so you know, I might change my tune on that. But for now, and for yeah. the past sixteen years, I've been teaching. It's like no, no Christmas music. I go into a store, and I'm just like, God damn it! I heard this song six times today. Anyway, anyway, so yeah. you've been keeping up then with They Might Be Giants as each new album comes out? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've been, um, yeah, I'd say ever since college, I've been pretty serious about it. Um, I got, I was in Boston at NEC when Mink Car came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know that, oh no, that was, never mind. I was flashing back to something in the documentary um, that was definitely in New York the day before 9-11 that they were doing mm-hmm. in stores. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's weird to watch. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so I was in Boston and uh, I saw them on that that tour, the Mink Car tour. I like Mink Car a lot. It's, Me too. I feel like it's a little inconsistent tonally. Um, yeah, that's what that's what man, most people say. But I like the there are eclectic bunch of nature. songs out there. I love. Oh, so good. Mink, the um, the Mink Car tour oh, was the God. first time I saw him too. So that that I mean nice. that might that might be part of the the connection for me as well. Right. Oh, know. I should say the first time I saw them live was actually back in L.A. I saw them at the Hollywood House of Blues, and they were promoting the Malcolm in the Middle soundtrack. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is yeah they they toured to support the Malcolm in the Middle soundtrack. Yeah, like, okay. So not too long I didn't before. I really care. Though. I just yeah. wanted to see him. Mm-hmm. So we showed we showed it to the Hollywood House of Blues, and being in Los Angeles and being a promotion for a TV show, there were a ton of suits in the room. Like these people who clearly had some connection to the label, the studio, who had been offered tickets. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever, I'll go. And so I was like, this doesn't really look like the crowd for the most part. Mm-hmm. And what do you what do you think they used to open 
in that room? <laughs> what's, what's your first guess Bo- for their opener? Boss of something. I can't remember what the name of that song was. Oh, no, no they did not <laughs> open with Boss of Me. They definitely played it from the soundtrack. They opened with Fingertips. Wow. Huh. And that made me so happy just to see a whole section of the room go, what? (laughs) (laughs) It was incredibly rewarding for me. It's a very They Might Be Giants Um, thing to do. Yeah. So I I saw them there first, and then I saw them in Boston uh, promoting Mink Car. And um, God, Mink Car has some fantastic songs. My man is is mm, chef's kiss you are preaching to the choir Um, here buddy yeah (laughs) the the arrange the arrangement and execution of mink car like that whole henry mancini kind of thing groove that they do is so yeah produced and smooth and perfect for what it is it's buttery baby um oh god yeah it's so good the, the title track it. in case we're confusing people yes yeah, yeah uh it's yeah it's so good that there's there's fucking triangle <laughs> in there you know i mean <laughs> love it <laughs> and just and the uh yeah i was i was showing the liner notes to some uh, trumpet player in uh at school and he's like holy shit this guy played the trumpet he's a huge deal in jazz and i was like well that makes sense mm. they wanted they wanted that silky smooth sound. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's yeah. so it's like it's hard to you know being someone who teaches beginning trumpet players. It, it's mm-hmm. it takes a very very high skill level to be able to play the trumpet in a mellow tone. You know? For sure. You know, it just sounds so silky smooth. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like that album a lot. Uh, and then I came back home and we saw them when they were promoting something else at the um, Anaheim House of Blues. Something else? Was it The Else? <laughs> I don't I can't recall. Mm-hmm. I, would, I mean, I like the joke, but I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you're one of those guys that like you. I'll, I'll encounter a lot of people in this podcast where you know they were huge into them for those first four albums, or maybe through the sure. Electra years, and then kind of drop off in the 2000s or whatever. You know, like get into other things and, and whatnot. You know, not that they ever get out of they might be giants, but you know they might lose yeah. track a little bit. And for so they, they are my favorite band by a country mile, and have been since the end of the 20th century. Hmm. Good, good, sir. Good, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and I should say, I think one of my very favorite They Might Be Giant songs is uh, Mrs. Bluebeard. Great, great. Yeah, like, that's like instant classic like, status. It seems oh, to be a favorite. Yeah. Their their new stuff is so good. And it's, they, it's been, it's always been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's <laughs> you know, one of those songs. The music right. is so brilliant. It's, it's. I played it for a colleague of mine in the opera chorus, and he just couldn't get over how <laughs> how clever it was. The rhyme scheme for the whole. Uh, I got handed an <laughs> Enran sandwich. Tasted so bland. Straight from the can. It tasted so bland. It tasted so bland. Uh, it, yeah, just. Oh my god. <laughs> That Linnellian genius. The rhyme schemes. Yeah, I was just like, I was recently very addicted to Shapeshifter off of Foam Power. And uh, mm-hmm. the, um, 
I'm only hanging around amorphous mounds in that town where nothing familiar can be found. Yeah, I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> what band says also, amorphous I, mounds? I demand to know why Monsters of Mud hasn't appeared on a major release. That song is genius. Yeah, I was actually just going through my uh, my uh, podcast spreadsheet uh, earlier mm-hmm. today because I continue to find songs that... I have forgotten to put on stuff that's not a major <laughs> release. You know, someone yeah. recently uploaded a f- like four and a half hour YouTube video of what they think is every single Dial-A-Song recording. Right, uh, right. I checked that out. Yeah, because there, there have previously been Power of Dial-A-Song and Power of Dial-A-Song 2 that were like an hour and a half or so a piece. But this one, it's it's even more than that. And it has them nicely listed alphabetically. To easily oh, find beautiful. the songs, yeah, and it has a section at the beginning where it says these these songs have never made it onto any you know physical or proper release like Dial a Song yeah. only, and it's like 20, 25 songs or something like that. So I was going through my spreadsheet to make sure I had those on there, and there were a lot that I didn't, and it's just crazy how many songs they have and how many great ones are just buried in their catalog like uh i've i've been obsessed with welcome to the jungle recently do you know welcome to the jungle yes i i god i used to have it's got to be on my hard drive somewhere off of, i haven't heard it in so long yeah linnell um, being bold enough to name a song welcome to the jungle that's not a cover of the guns and roses song <laughs> And, you know, this is only... Welcome to the jungle, Jim. <laughs> yeah, this is only, like, four years or five years after the the Guns N' Roses track came out. So everybody yeah. was familiar with that song and just that putting that on the guitar EP in the Apollo era. Oh, my God. Yeah, the, uh, I'm working on a cover the, uh, of that currently. Miniature Sidewalk Whirlwind is another one of those great ones that's just sort of... Like, I think I heard that when they used to do their podcast show radio show thing yeah with yeah. cecil right yeah <laughs> uh this is cecil <laughs> so wacky uh, uh but <laughs> yeah i think man so yeah we could just bullshit forever about all this stuff <laughs> but i think we should get on topic because we got a lot uh to talk about that is properly you know for this episode which is labeled thunderbird yeah. and unearth my nina uh yeah we'll have to so, cut all of that yeah no oh no no way <laughs> so i you know you had uh requested thunderbird a while yes. ago and i'm like oh shit we got to do this thing let's do it and then just a few days ago i'm like you know about the whole story with Unearth by Nina, right? And you're like, I was, you said, I actually was not aware of the Nina song. So were you at the time like me in that Long Tall Weekend came out on eMusic and you did not get it for whatever reason? Yes. Yep. Yep. That's me. Yeah. Well, it was like, you know, 99 was my, did it come out in the spring? of? I think it came out in the summer. So I was, that was my summer between high school and college. And... Our internet at home was not great. The internet at school was a little better, but I don't know, for whatever reason, I didn't download it, and I don't think I heard it for years. I'm like, oh, this is just some flash-in-the-pan thing, this this internet, these MP3s. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know. That, what is this foolishness? I mean, with the, you I'm, know. <laughs> I'm looking at my stack of uh, They Might Have a Giant CDs. I'm like, here is my collection. It's it's here. And there's no long tall weekend <laughs> in there because it never existed on CD. I, I know there's a lot of people that have like printed out the artwork and burned it onto a CD sure. and put it into a jewel case themselves just to have it there, <laughs> uh, which I, you know, I'm close to doing it. Uh, so on Earth by Nina, near the very end 
of Long Tall Weekend is linked to Thunderbird in a crazy way. I think we're going to talk about Thunderbird first because okay. while technically, like if you're on the wiki and you go to um, Thunderbird and you click on the chronology tab, it actually has listed first on Earth by Nina. And for people that, I mean, like, so I just informed you of this connection. If, you know, if no, like, fan, super fan had told you about this connection or uh, you hadn't been just bumming around the wiki and figured that out, like, you know, it's understandable that you had never heard that before. And I think it was probably within the past couple of years. It wasn't like I'd known about it since the spine came out. It's like, oh, this is that song, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, but on Earth by Nina came out first on long tail weekend in 1999 and it is linnell's backwards version of thunderbird and you're like wait how does that work well thunderbird did not come out properly until the spine in 2004 but they had been performing it back as far as 99 so since technically thunderbird was written first i mean there's no way you could do a backwards version of a song that doesn't exist. So Thunderbird was written first. And then well, if anyone, it's John <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote this backwards <laughs> song and then flipped it. And then I came up with Thunderbird. So Thunderbird <laughs> came first and we're going to cover, uh, talk about Thunderbird, uh, first and then on earth, my Nina, um, which is backwards of the chronology, but, uh, Thunderbird as a penned song came first so let's talk about Thunderbird, and um, awesome. yeah, and that was the song you requested anyway, and uh, yes. I convinced you to shoehorn uh, uh, shoehorn with teeth on Earth My Nina into here, and so <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, so we'll save on Earth My Nina, we'll talk more about that. Some people listening might not have even been aware of that connection either, and might be like, what are you talking about? You shall see. Yes. So, as far as Thunderbird goes, I think first we need to play the Dial-A-Song version for the people. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Which has been available for a while on those bootleg compilations. So, here, everybody, is the uh, original Dial-A-Song for Thunderbird. One, two, three. I know, I know, I said that I would quit. All right, I promise no more after this. Forget what it was like. I remember now. I remember now why they called it Thunderbird. Why they called it Thunderbird. Man, oh man, my throat is dry. Man, are you thinking what I? Before you crawl, you have to learn to fall. You can't see heaven when you're standing tall. To get the whole sky on the ground, you have to lie. I remember now, I remember now why they called it Thunderbird. Why they called it Thunderbird. Bye. 
plan. They would melt a man, and they called it Thunderbird. So we don't have a year on that one, but it's 99 or earlier. Who knows? Maybe it's 98. <clears throat> Maybe it's 88. No idea. No idea. <laughs> and I have no idea why they sat on it so long uh, before, you know, five years later they put it on an album. Even from the dial a song version, it is it's there. It sounds great. What do you think about that? Yeah. It's yeah, it's really lovely. Um there's so there's okay, there's an important thing about Thunderbird. Sorry, important to me. Yes. Which means entirely inconsequential to nearly everyone else. No, no, no. I want um, yeah, I want to know why why we're talking about it too. Yeah. On on the spine version, the the quote-unquote real version, the official version, mm-hmm. John Linnell sings the lyric as before you fall, you have to learn to crawl. Mm-hmm. Which is the opposite of every other recorded version and different from the liner notes. Oh, the, and so the spine this, liner notes are, are flipped too? On the that? spine liner notes say oh. before you crawl, you have to learn to fall. <laughs> um, which obviously that's the version that makes more sense. <laughs> Because you fall and then you crawl. But <laughs> for whatever reason, they recorded it the other way. And for their big album version, they said, yeah, yeah, we're going to leave it like that. And that's <laughs> been doing my head in for about 15 years. I wonder if he messed it up. And just like, I, that's fine. I, I'm ge- yeah, my guess is that he messed it up. And then when he listened back to it, he's like, okay, I kind of like it that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they also dropped a verse. Because, oh, and originally, um, what became sort of the bridge, we have fun, me and my girl. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm not doing this in an organized way at all. So um, good. That, that emo- the emotionally devastating bridge, uh, TMTM, John Linnell. <laughs> um, they, they sort of took that in a different direction, whereas in the other versions, it's just it's in it's musically the same as a, as a verse. Just plows and plows through for the for this version. It's a bridge, right? Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool little alteration of it. You know, it's it's essentially the same melody, but yeah, they break it break it down. Uh, yeah, yeah, they they change the instrumentation and they change the vocal line a little bit and. Mostly they changed the sort of intention of it. Well, John mm, changes mm-hmm. the, in, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the lyric that gets dropped uh, on by the time it comes around to officially the spot. Oh, yeah, the melting man uh-huh. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, they devised a plan. They would melt a melt man, a man. <laughs> and they called it Thunder. Yeah, I don't know why they got trapped. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're we're not getting into interpretations yet. I'll I will put a mental bookmark in that. Yes. Um, yeah, it's oh god, this song is so good. <laughs> <laughs> because it does, you know, it does the most to They Might Be Giants thing, which is talk about something that's incredibly serious and uh, heart-rending and just 
soul crushing <laughs> in the poppiest sort of Beatles inflected <laughs> way. Yeah, well, know, well, like well, the, well, let's push through these other the previous versions and then we can really yeah. get into the meat of it with the spine version. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so that verse gets dropped along the way. But then we've also got this Thunderbird demo, uh, a more proper, mm-hmm. you know, studio type mm-hmm. demo uh, in 99. Uh, it was unreleased uh, until, I'm not sure when it saw the light of day, but uh, it's on youtube so let's go ahead and i'll play that for everyone thunderbird demo circa 99 i know i know i said that i would quit all right i promise no more So it was unreleased to the public, but it was a, a studio demo uh, mm-hmm. on a, a rare 2001 uh, internal CD, meaning I guess it was just for the labels to preview stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know. It was not you know made for sale. Uh, so it had Reprehensible and Rap Troll. Um, reprehens- <laughs> yeah, off of um, well, Reprehensible... Uh, and Reptile are both on ended up on Long Tall Weekend. Well, oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. later on I, that, I know yeah. them, I know them from They Got Lost because I never got Long Tall Weekend. That's where I heard them <laughs> first too. To be completely honest, yes, uh, yeah, and that this also has the additional verse, and we should mention just the difference in um, arrangements. The the Dial a Song one is just the Johns. There's no drum machine to speak of. It's just Linnell on accordion and vocals mm-hmm. and Flans on guitar. Yep. And then this demo, we get the full band version. So. Ninety nine would have been Dan Hickey on drums, but you would have already had right. uh, Dan Miller and Danny Weinkoff. Uh, so almost the modern iteration of yeah, Band of Dan's slash the Full House. Yes, the Full House uh, with Uncle Jesse on uh, tambourine. So, <laughs> uh, so, so what what do you think of this uh, demo? It's it's pretty. I mean. Man, it's great. It's there. That's this song is basically done at that point, except for a couple little things, little tweaks. Mm-hmm. It just 
God, it's so good, man. Still, right. Oh, it is. Still has that verse. Um, one of my yes. favorite things about it is there's some, um, not sure if it's Miller or Flans, doing a little like wah pedal guitar. Like there's a little of, during the um, the little organ line. I mean, Linnell's mm-hmm. using kind of a different organ patch. She has gone from accordion to organ at this point on the song. Yeah. Um, but there's a little, because when I first listened to it, I'm like, oh, that might be just a keyboard patch. But it's like, but then if you listen later, it goes in the breaks. There's some these crazy little guitar mm-hmm. things. Da, 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 da. Just like these Just cool bending little him. bends with like some wah pedal. So that's super yeah. cool. And then that got done away with for the the, the kind of cleaner spine version. Um, yeah. And I will also say I got totally nerdy today and uh, edited the wiki uh, on the chronology tab. It said, okay, so previously it said that the Thunderbird demo was slightly, or it said it was faster than the spine version with no breakdown. So there's that, again, the breakdown, like you said, didn't get added to the spine. This is not true. The Thunderbird demo (laughs) is actually slower than the spine version. Now, this is the common misconception uh, um, with a lot of, uh, I mean, I won't say it's just you know, untrained musicians or just music listeners as opposed to, to musicians where you equate fast with, uh, you equate, equate loud with fast. And right. when you get louder, you might get faster. Or if something is louder, it has the illusion of being faster. Mm-hmm. This is a louder version, but it is actually uh, three BPM slower than the spine <laughs> version. I got out the old metronome. The dial song is the fastest version. dial song while it's not to a click, it's just the John's playing, is somewhere around yeah. uh, 186 beats per minute. Okay. 186. The demo, down to 177. The spine, okay. the spine back up to 180. So... <laughs> The, the spine is the middle version, but uh, so I edited the wiki today, and instead of saying faster than the spine version for the demo, I put slightly, slightly slower than the spine version for the demo. So it's, lo- it's I, I like louder. To imagine, I like to imagine yeah. they did 180 just so that they could have something divisible by four for the official version. <laughs> it's just, you know. Like a proper metronome I do, marking. Right? I do like the, the kind of louder, grittier guitars. I'm always, there's so many times where I'm just like, man, the guitar should be more aggressive in the mix. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, on a Linnell song, I understand, you know, maybe a little more keyboard focused or whatever, but um, I love these grittier guitars and I love that little wah pedal. The little <laughs> it's uh very cool very cool um yes yeah and no breakdown and still has that extra verse so anything else to say about the demo before we get to proper no it, it, it's no i got it <laughs> i got it i love digging in with these episodes where there are these multiple versions prior to yeah. the albums and Man, if they recorded this in 99, how did this not make it onto Long Tall Weekend or Mink Car? Why did they wait so long? It's such a I good song. No. F- I, 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 think, I think some part of Linnell must have decided that it just wasn't done cooking. I guess, but I mean, now that we, you know, knowing the spy version, it was pretty close to being done cooking. You know, yeah, you put that close. burner down to simmer, and you're just letting it, you know, you know, yeah. <laughs> let the juices, you know, the flavors. It was, it was all dente, maybe. Yeah, right. <laughs> just give it another minute. So, <laughs> uh, spine comes out 2004, and we get Thunderbird, 
at uh, track number uh, six. Track number six. Mm-hmm. Uh, sandwiched between two other awesome songs, Prevenge and Bastard Wants to Hit Me. Uh, I think now we can get into, as you were alluding to, the devastating uh, elements sung in a poppy way. So uh, I'm guessing you want to talk about uh, lyrics first. We've already been talking a lot about musical elements. You want to talk about these lyrics? Yeah. So. (sighs) What's this song about to you? Songs about alcoholism, man. This is pretty straightforward to me. Agreed. So for anyone, anyone who doesn't know, Thunderbird is apparently a now discontinued uh, brand of what is sometimes known as bum wine, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is to say it's a it's a fortified wine. Um, so it has a higher alcohol content. It's available at very low prices. It's like seventeen percent um, alcohol. Yeah, incredibly it's, it's, high. It's yeah, it's it's about to wander out of the realm of wine. Um, it's kind of, I believe it's kind of syrup. I've not actually had, have you ever had Thunderbird? I don't drink at all. So no, I have not. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I haven't no, had I've wine, had let alone Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Well, okay. <laughs> Close don't start come, with Thunderbird. Cl- That's my advice. Closest I've come to drinking um, is, uh, some wine and, and pasta sauce, you know? And that's all yeah. cooking out the alcohol anyway. Man, can you imagine cooking with Thunderbird? Just the things I've heard about it. <laughs> uh, my yeah, grandma uh, would put that in her marinara. Well, you, you sent me that wine review, which I just loved <laughs> to death. Uh, Bef- uh, before I play that modern wine review, that was just from December 2020. <laughs> a guy reviews it on YouTube, and it's hysterical. Let's first play. Uh, there was a full-on like jingle, like a, like a 45 released uh, yeah, of a song. that was wild. Called uh, the full title is "What's the Word, Thunderbird," and it's <laughs> it's played by um, the. Oh wait. Is that one uh, Bobby and Buddy? Is that what that is? Yeah, that's that's how, what it's listed on here. Yeah, Bobby, yeah. Bobby and Buddy uh, doing what's the word Thunderbird? Let's listen. What's the word? Thunderbird. What's the price? Thirty twice. Yeah, I don't. Was it sixty? Was it sixty cents only for a bottle when it came out? I mean, holy cow, that's cheap. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So pretty great. And then I found a couple so, of commercials. Or do you, you got something to say about that that jingle? Yeah. Just, just so just to to cement it, this is the kind of uh, aperitif. That is best served in the bottle inside a brown paper bag, uh, al fresco. <laughs> that's, that's kind. Of, that's kind of the vibe that accompanies Thunderbird in the popular consciousness, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. then I found an ad. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what year this ad is from for Thunderbird. Oh, the James Mason one. James Mason. It's it's black oh, and white. It's a black and white ad. It nourishes my soul. This so, ad. So James Mason was a uh, British actor. And uh, the top box office attraction in the UK in 1944 and 1945. So yes. here's this this classy old school actor dude talking about Thunderbird. 
I like the unusual flavor of Thunderbird wine. It's an exceptionally good drink for every occasion. Thunderbird has an unusual flavor all its own. Not quite like anything I've ever tasted. I suggest that you try Thunderbird. It's really delightful. And what does he say? It has a unique taste. Unique, yeah. It's oh man, that ad copy. An unusual flavor. It's <laughs> <laughs> an unusual flavor. I feel like that ad copy had to be massaged to a point <laughs> where uh, Mason was comfortable actually reading it. That um, he's like, I'm not going to say it's great. I'm not going to say it's superior. <laughs> like what, what yeah. how do we work this yeah i didn't send this over but if people go in and look for this commercial james mason thunderbird someone actually did a parody of it where they <laughs> voiced over the commercial nice and uh, a james mason impression quite poorly not attempting to be with the lips at all but basically saying it was like horse piss or something like that i don't know yeah. it's, it's pretty funny um but that was the the actual commercial and then in the uh 70s disco era we got uh this commercial yeah 1977 which was uh promoting the drink as basically uh, a, a mixer Let's shake them up. Shake them up. Let's check that out. <laughs> Let's shake them up together. Shake them up? What's that? It's a great new taste of ice cold Thunderbird with grapefruit juice. Just pour the juice in the bottle and shake them up. Shake them up. Shake them up. Thunderbird and grapefruit juice. Shake them up. That's a shake them up. Wow. Totally together. Thunderbird and grapefruit juice. Shake them up. Now you get some. Thunderbird and grapefruit juice. Shake them out. Disco-fied. <laughs> They're suggesting it with with uh, it pairs well with grapefruit juice. <laughs> My God, this commercial. The comments on this YouTube video are just hysterical, <laughs> and everyone keeps bringing up that old jingle. What's the word, Thunderbird? Uh, yeah. Which is not in this commercial, but that clearly that jingle worked because there are a lot of people wherever you look for Thunderbird, people remember that. What's the word, Thunderbird song? <laughs> Oh, wow. Here's someone says, uh, Jason35188 says, our shake up was Thunderbird and a pack of Kool-Aid. <laughs> no, no, no. That, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly the, the song was inspired by this, uh, you know, pretty badass name for a pretty bad wine. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a pretty cool, fr- I mean, there's a sports car named Thunderbird. There's a really sure. cool, uh, guitar and bass guitar, uh, yes. the Gibson Thunderbird, uh, pretty sweet looking, sweet looking axe. But, uh, clearly I, I agree with you. The song is about alcoholism. Um, yeah. Oh, wait, should we, should we play that review of it to play some clips oh, of that please. review? Oh, please. Oh, please. It's so beautiful. What, so this is, uh, let's see. So like I said, yeah, this, this it, I think this had been discontinued, Thunderbird, like 2018 or something, I think I saw. Yeah, I think that's all right. But here, just December 2020, <clears throat> unemployed wine guy, I'm guessing maybe you know, a, a casualty of the pandemic, uh, lost his job, unemployed wine guy, he's got 87,000 subscribers, he... Uh, uh, bird is the word right in the description he reviews thunderbird in a very uh, uh hysterical way he starts it out like he's going to give it a fair shake but as soon as he tastes it prescott van meyer here somewhere in from home today we soar high to see just a glimpse of wine country on the horizon thunderbird 
the American classic. Vinted and bottled by Thunderbird LTD in Modesto, California. This is a grape wine with natural flavors and caramel color. Did some Google research on this. Some people refer to it as piss wine. I don't know if that's fair. Certainly has the color. And coming in at $3.99, very extremely affordable. Let's open it up. Raisiny might be too kind. Like a fruit jerky of some kind. Some very, very generic lollipop. Off-brand Tootsie Roll Pop. Oof. A little bit of a farm animal in the background. So it smells like a wine. It doesn't smell like wine. It smells like a idea of wine. These grapes have definitely seen some horrors. Assuming that grapes were involved in the making of this. Give it a pour. Can definitely see that piss wine moniker as it sits in my glass. Oof. Very raw. It's probably not meant to be put in a glass like this. Why it's reacting so strongly. Yikes. Makes me think of the 70s. Feeling the shag carpet between my toes. Or on my face, having passed out. Let's give it a sip. All right, very minerally, which is a surprise coming from a glass bottle. Don't know what they're fermenting it in, but I would think aluminum or some leaching metal of some kind. A little bit of sweetness there, so you have some competition between the sweetness and that mysterious wine-like quality that's floating throughout the substance. Whew. Yeah, so they don't give you a vintage year on Thunderbird, but this definitely feels like a 2020. So it's a little thicker than regular wine. Like we have some uh, dissolved gelatin in there that hasn't quite set. You can feel that all over your gums. Wow, really makes me feel depressed. Like I'll never see or experience beauty again. $3.99, I still feel like I got ripped off a little bit. $2.99, still maybe a little bit. $1.99, I get it. You know what you're getting. But $3.99, come on. As you may know, Modesto is famous for being the home of Gallo wines. And I see this as the absolute runoff from all the Gallo vineyards. Ah, I get it. So this is the piss from a bird. A glorious, very dehydrated bird. That's why they call it Thunderbird. Uh, it escaped me, but now, having tasted it, clear as day. I mean, look at that. They haven't had water for days. Now I'm starting to see the value in this. I mean, how do they get this bird? How do they get a catheter up there? I would pair this with jumping on freight trains. Just leaving your old life behind, starting over, introducing yourself as Larry or Pizza Mike. With normal wines, the scale goes from zero to 100, but this is not a normal wine. So I'm giving Thunderbird a negative 11. Yeah, when he talks about the, the film that it forms on his gums, uh, that <laughs> Some was very good. Some sort of good. gelatin. In, yes, it's, it's thicker. <laughs> it's thicker than most wines. <laughs> what? You don't want to hear yeah, that. Uh, unlike the wine itself, uh, his review is very dry. It's fantastic. Yeah. You search unemployed wine guy, it looks like he's got a lot of things that are probably hilarious, like uh, yeah. Everclear and 
Wait, he has Listerine. <laughs> he reviews Listerine. Oh no, Red's Wicked Apple Ale. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I won't, I won't spoil his score for the wine, but it's, it's a very special thing. Oh my God, he also does fast food reviews. He reviews one of my. Uh, he reviews the Crunchwrap Supreme from Taco Bell, the uh, McRib. I gotta watch these. <clears throat> oh, I, I need to, I need to know if he reviews the cheesy gordita crunch, which is my personal vice. I had one of those about. today. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> Beautiful, amazing. Okay, so so yes, the lyrics. Um, yeah, h- hit me. Take us through. It start starts off with "I know, I know, I said that I would quit." All right, I promise, no more after this. This is classic addict speak mm-hmm. um this is just that's just a pattern that you see with addiction where the people the, someone's loved ones are concerned about them and they're trying to allay their fears but they don't want they're not ready to stop on their own mm-hmm. right you don't um, know how i've tried to forget what it was like i guess you know the the joys of being Oh, right. I tried to it's, forget uh, how great it is because the pull is because the pull is both chemical and emotional mm-hmm. and, and mental. Um, right. Yeah. And it, to it is try a disease. To leave yeah. That part so. of yourself behind is mm-hmm. can be incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see. So there's. I should probably just bring up the lyrics. That'd be the smart thing for me to do, wouldn't it? <laughs> probably. Man, oh man, <sighs> my throat is dry. Man, yes, are you thinking so, what I you know, am? That's, I mean, that's that's more of an old, man. Oh man, my throat is dry. That's that's more of an old-fashioned uh, way of saying I really want some alcohol. That's, yeah. I think of I associate that with like medieval fantasy. Ah, my throat is dry. Yeah, right. Or keep some mead. I also um, just love the the pairing of the word am with the high note in the melody because it just seems like <laughs> such a funny choice. Oh yeah, the, and the fact that the fact that it um, the fact that it jumps up to it right at the at the end of the line, which is so counterintuitive. <laughs> the lyrics on the wiki uh, actually have it. Yeah, the lyrics actually have am listed on the next line. <laughs> what? Yeah, I that's uh, am. that makes yeah. a lot of sense. <laughs> um, yeah, saying that. He's, you know, he's he's always concentrated on this thing, on his addiction, mm-hmm. and trying to to get more. And um, then we get to one of my favorite parts. Uh, so we talked about before, yeah. So here in the ly- official lyrics, before you fall, you have to learn to crawl. So that's from the actual uh, recorded version that's on the spine, right? Um, not as they are written in the liner notes. Um. You can't see heaven when you're standing tall to get the whole sky on the ground. You have to lie. This, in, this brought to mind uh, an Oscar Wilde quote that is pretty well known. Mm. We are all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I immediately had this image of someone just totally blotto, you know, lying in a gutter and yeah. looking up at the stars and sort of contemplating the universe through this this fog. Um, I remember now, I remember now why they called it Thunderbird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what that means, though. I mean, Thunderbird does sound like it's really going to, like, grab you fucking, you know, by the balls there. You know, like, I remember, right. why, why did they call it Thunderbird? Oh, because it's a uh, fucking oh, powerful yeah. 
Well, and and we should definitely, I don't think we've mentioned um, the origin of the term Thunderbird, which is this sort of spiritual being that appears across loads of different uh, Native American uh, mm-hmm. cultures mm-hmm. and peoples. It's like it really spread. It's very common in the Northwest and sort of around uh, across the Midwest. Um, the Ali Algonquin peoples uh, had Thunderbirds, and there's there's various iconography associated with that. And I assume that is the primary inspiration for the name of the wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even uh, the the logo on the bottle, <clears throat> yeah, of Thunderbird, yeah, is something that might be reminiscent of what you'd see, you know, in uh, Native American arts of various yeah. kinds. Yeah. Um, kind of that like totem um, totem pole kind of yes you might see and I kind of wonder like I kind of wonder if the that sort of you know it's very appropriative <laughs> in yeah. a way that mm-hmm. that, that mid century Americans would white Americans would not have recognized and I kind of wonder if that may have been a factor in canceling the Thunderbird line hell I mean even in that that seventies ad we played. You know, I think it's entirely um, African Americans in the ad, and you know, yeah. there I, I can only imagine the script. That, like it's it's very much bordering on a racist commercial, in that it's clearly <laughs> targeted. Like there were people in the comments talking about how they like. I remember seeing this in the commercials on Soul Train. So it's 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 mm-hmm. targeted at the African American community, sure, and just kind of preying on maybe. You know, people that are at a lower socioeconomic level and are looking for a, a cheap way to, you know, get their party on. And just like the commercial, like the That's script, right. hey, it's like... Look at, look at these people who look like you, who are middle to upper middle class, having uh-huh. a right. sort of swanky party. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's very much a piece of sort of exploitation cinema, I think, with the yeah. shot. I can only imagine it, you know, the uh, the white director being like, you know, give me that jive talk, you know, something horrible yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Like it's can you, can it's you. weird watching it these days uh, from, you know, the lens of much more progressed uh, society as far as the, those issues are concerned. Um, yeah, th- there are some great, great <laughs> lyrics and great, great rhymes in here. You. Wait, what do you got over there? <laughs> so yeah, so then so then we get to our um, our Beach Boys tribute, mm-hmm. which is also the emotionally devastating uh, bridge. <laughs> TM John Lennon. Well, she got her daddy's car and she cruised through the hamburger stand. Now, seems she forgot all about the library, like she told her old man. Now, and with the radio blasting, goes cruising just as fast as she can. Now. Which I I think I think of the the sort of or text of the emotionally devastating bridge being um, Bill Need a Crane. Yeah. What is it? Because um, it starts. Uh, oh my brain! Um, Are you talking about the bridge? Yeah, that's what's the. Uh, don't call me at work again. Oh, yeah. No. yeah, don't call me at work again. No, no, the boss still hates me. I'm just <laughs> tired and I don't love, love you, you anymore. <laughs> and there's a restaurant we should check out where the other nightmare people like to go. I mean, nice, nice people, baby, baby, wait. I didn't mean to say nightmare. Which is that's, oh. I, I, that's yeah. That's, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, that's my, my or text for emotionally devastating it's bridge. But this punch. one, yeah. uh, manages to invert the famous beach boys lyric the the refrain for um 
What is it? It's called Fun, 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 off the 1964 album Shutdown. Fun, 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 till the daddy, till her daddy takes the TV away. away. Fun, fun, till the daddy yeah. takes the TV away. So instead of having fun, fun, fun until daddy takes the T-bird away, uh, he's going to enjoy uh, a nice time and a relationship with his daughter until drinking takes him away from her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which you can, you can read as both, you know, him not becoming himself and becoming unable to relate to his child because mm-hmm. he's drunk. Mm-hmm. And also uh, possibly even further into like loss of um, custody rights. Yeah. If or death, himself to be death from yeah. drunk driving. Or, or, I mean, then you could do the T-bird t- as in the Beach Boy sense is talking about the sports car. Could, uh, double, yeah. double meaning there. Yeah. Maybe he's drinking Thunderbird and driving a Thunderbird. Not a good combination. Yeah. Nope. Don't do it. I also like listening to it from uh, our modern TMBG uh, stance. We like fun, and now we have an album called "I Like Fun." This it's just I yes, can't. I, can't I thought of that today. Yeah. <laughs> that occurred to me this morning. I was like, "Oh, that kind of presages I like fun," even though that's a Flan song. It's just such a funny phrase to say. <laughs> we like fun. Who doesn't like fun? Right? <laughs> we like fun. Well, you, you know, you got to establish from the beginning. Yeah, me and my girl, we like fun. Yeah, you know, hot girl. take might be a hot take. <laughs> yeah, and well, and the and as you experience it the first time, we like fun. Me and my girl, you can you might assume that he's talking about a romantic interest, mm-hmm. right? And then at the end, T Bird takes her dad away. Like, oh, that is both not what I thought, and I am a puddle now on the mm-hmm. floor mm-hmm. weeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then yet, they it's do, so catchy. Then they do this thing that Linnell loves to do, which is, um, what is this? It's like cross verse rhyming mm. instead of, uh, I said that I would quit. I said that I'd desist, mm-hmm. which is this really kind of awesome, um, macro rhyme. Yeah. I don't know what you'd, yeah. I don't know what you'd call that. Yeah. I'm no poet. And then barely a lyricist. <laughs> not to be what I was like. I promise no more after this. Not to be what I was like. Not to soar across the sky. And I feel like this just points out so clearly the depth of this addiction mm-hmm. and how he he longs for that feeling and is nostalgic for it, even though it probably hasn't been that long since he was drunk. Right. Um, he clearly likes anyway, being spread drunk. My, spread my thunder wings and fly. This is the most explicit reference we get to the 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 um the fun the thunderbird spirit i think mm-hmm. that he feels like he beca- he becomes a powerful being in his own mind when he's when he has his fix mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then finally we get this you know the sort of refrain which is basically a hangover <laughs> I remember now. Oh. I remember now oh, why God. they called it Thunderbird. Why they called it Thunderbird. It's oh my God, the song is good so song. good, Greg. So good. Oh my God, and it's just you know the spine is full of like track after track of just power pop pop rock goodness, and this one's no different. This one stands up amongst the best spine tracks, and um, I also point out while I'm thinking about it. I can't remember exactly, of course, I've done, you know, so many episodes, but as I look at the wiki, this is one of the few that has every tab on the wiki has an entry. Every tab is clickable. Mm -hmm. None of them are orange. So people (laughs) like it enough that 
there's almost always a guitar tab, but we've also got a bass tab and we've got a drum tab, which are usually oh, wow. pretty silly looking on, on the wiki having to write out drum tabs are just silly. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, as a drummer who knows how to read proper drum, you know, percussion notation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, you know, they're, they're doing their best to make it look like it, but it just looks kind of crazy, uh, uh, you know, typed out with dashes and X's and O's. Um, well, today I learned that there's a thing people call drum tab. I mean, that's basically what we're looking I've at. I've never yeah. heard that term before. Yeah, that's, that's what we're looking at. Yeah. yeah, yeah, where it's, you know, instead of, you know, there's a percussion clef on standard notation, but you're still looking sure. at five lines and four spaces, right? Yeah. And you'll have, you know, the snare drum is always on that third space up, so like what would be a C on the treble clef, and the kick drum, yeah. bass drum, uh, depending on what context you're in, kit or or you know concert percussion would be the mm-hmm. bottom space uh the f space uh and then and those will be you know standard oval head you know oval uh head quarter notes eighth notes whatever and yeah. then uh symbols and other things like triangles like sometimes you'll see triangles with a triangle head on the notes uh, well, typically though it would be like for for percussion or i mean for drum set you do typically see x heads on the notes so like uh-huh. the, the hi-hat or you know the hi-hat might be like the top of the staff so like the g um mm-hmm. treble clef and it would be an x you know if you're playing eighth notes it'd be eighth notes with x's for heads maybe the cr- sure. maybe the crash is the ledger line above that as an x stuff yeah. stuff like that like a hi-hat with your foot chicks with your foot would be down at the bottom usually like the uh the d oh, okay. below uh the staff with mm-hmm. your foot, um, there's a whole bunch of crazy things, and usually there will be some sort of like key, some sort of legend, you know, that'll tell you at the beginning of the song. Sure, triangle is a triangle, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of crazy things, but yeah, a drum tab would look kind of like this instead of the five lines, four spaces. You've just got four. Um, I guess it would depend on how many pieces of a kit you need to recognize. Yeah, if you're, yeah, if you're tabbing out like see... a Neil Peart Rush song, you know, it's be like, <laughs> oh, you beat me to it, damn it, great. <laughs> like 20 lines I, tall. I, <laughs> I said, I don't want to see the Neil Peart tab. I hate you. You're going to need 14 Tom Tom drums for this one. That would look pretty well. Just the O's just going down the lines. We have eight Toms. Is that enough? Nope. I mean, hell, I'd like to see that in standard notation. I'm sure there are some Rush uh, songbooks out there for for drummers, properly published. Uh, Gotta be with a drummer's popular sim. I'd I'd love to see that. Um, But anyway, yeah, every single uh, tab, song, lyrics, interpretations, credits, guitar tab, bass tab, drum tab, chronology, all are clickable on the wiki, and that is a rare, rare feat. So uh, I I would say that it kind of indicates that the fans like thunderbird and the song yeah. is do you know what the rating is uh i did look at the rating and i was kind of shocked honestly i did same. not expect it to rank that high it was at 33 when i checked it yep at the time of recording with an average score of nine point something or other 9.06 33 out of That's 910 songs i would guess that this is below uh experimental film but i haven't checked to see in the total song rankings if this is the highest spine song i'm guessing uh, let's do just a quick scan, quick scan. Where's experimental film? Hold on a second. Is this really above experimental film? <laughs> experimental film 
is at 78. Thunderbird Dang. is above experimental film. <clears throat> Holy cow. Wow. Man, Thunderbird. You did it. you did it the best coffee in the world (laughs) that is a great cup of coffee uh (laughs) (laughs) elf elf is is as far as like christmas movies that is the only one one of the few that i will sit down and actually watch under my own power um wow 33 out of 9 910 it is the highest spine song on the wiki ranking so yeah i think it's safe to say the fans like it um are there any musical elements for the spine version that we have not talked about like i said the guitars are a little uh lighter a little back in the mix a little bit you know they still got the Mm -hmm. distortion but they're not as in your face um what are your favorite musical elements of this uh the proper album version um well yeah i mean that it's it's got to be that organ bit right because the the, you know the sound that he the patch that he gets on there is just so good it's It's it's, it's kind of a 60s psychedelic rock it's that classic uh farfisa kind of sound okay and yeah i was actually just talking about this my um, my organs very well right yeah it's uh i mean it's obviously whatever keyboard he's got but it's it is kind of of that style and the farfisa could could do a bunch of different sounds too that's just like a brand name but the sound that it was known for was that kind of like almost like shrill piercing mm-hmm. you know organ sound very popular in the 60s um but one of my favorite uses of it and i actually brought this up on the twisting episode which has not aired yet the twisting organ sound is very similar to this mm-hmm. that that tone reminds me a lot of early elvis costello and the attraction stuff like the song oh, radio okay. radio not sure how familiar mm-hmm. you are with with that stuff but yeah that very uh, i don't know that particular song got banned from snl for years for having played it uh against lauren michael's wishes in uh the late 70s <laughs> it's true because it's basically an anti uh broadcast radio you know nbc is uh, you know yeah. in the radio business as well as tv and uh, it's an anti-radio song basically so uh yeah he got blacklisted for I, I i think he's been on since then but it was for quite a while he was not allowed back on the show it's a great that's song that's awesome and very punk rock to to do that kind of thing just like yep we're playing yes. it yes uh <laughs> yeah so looking at the um i have never uh, attempted to learn this myself on guitar or keyboard or anything else but it is pretty solidly in g major it doesn't seem to have any of that tricky linnell stuff where mm-hmm. you know he's dancing out of the key or whatever else 
Uh, just very solid power pop song. You know, he doesn't attempt anything too wacky. There is a lot of walking bass uh, in the in the keyboard or whatever else. You know, on the the guitar tabs does have a lot of the C slash E D slash F sharp, which is you know you're having sure. that that low note is moving around uh, within yep. the chord, um, or it's an dun, inversion or whatever dun, else. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Linnell, you know, it's I'm very common keyboard trick i i was in a bowie cover band after he he died and uh a lot of the piano focused bowie songs are very much like that where you're like oh i just got to play the c forever it's like no this doesn't sound Uh quite right oh that's because you know you got something walking around underneath (laughs) yeah yeah it's 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 a cool song it it definitely is in g Uh, it does start on d it's kind of starting in it almost starts on what you might call the pre-chorus or something i don't know yeah well so yeah so it starts in the dominant yeah and um it's what are we calling the verses is is man oh man is that a verse that melody because that that, that starts yeah that's what i I think of that as the verse and then i remember now as the refrain um yeah i guess i guess pre-chorus is is as good a name as any i think so yeah because then when that that i know i know i said that when that comes back like before you fall you have to learn to crawl and then it goes into the i remember now is clearly the chorus so yeah, yeah. it's kind of starting on the pre-chorus um which could fool a lot of guitarists and be like oh it's in the key of d which <laughs> it starts on a d it's in d uh nope. no it's in g yeah yeah the uh yeah the c's are not sharped but yeah mm-hmm. So I, I don't think, you know, I'm not going to fault this song at all for not having any tricky, fancy Linnell chord progression or key changes that are tricky. Uh, I think the uh, chord progression does exactly what it needs to do, propelling the song forward. It's yeah. not it's not a no, simple it's... chord progression. <laughs> it, you know, it's it's firmly in the rock realm. It doesn't do anything too wacky, but it's it's not three chords. No. Yeah great song and i just love i love all the starts and stops yeah like right at the beginning the dancha and there's a whole bunch of playing with that within the the demo and the dial song dancha dancha like in the dial song it's like accordion and and flans i think it's on acoustic guitars like dancha 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 and then yeah, you get weinkoff gets some like features that's... on the uh the more proper versions with the bass yeah it's it's, yeah that that offbeat um heavy heavy offbeat is so it's Mm -hmm. that's the whole character of that first part and it's just there's where i know we're gonna get to it but there's a cover that does something different with that and it kind of made me want to run screaming (laughs) all right all right okay so i'm excited to hear about this i also love marty's drums are great um i mean he's following the basic blueprint that dan hickey set with that 99 uh demo Mm-hmm. Um, with some slight differences, there's maybe more Tom work, but I do love the ja, 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 man, oh man, in those if we're calling them verses, just the da, 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 just those hard hits and then back into the beat. Da, 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 da. There's, it's very uh, start and stop kind of tune. Yeah, that's there's some, there's something about the energy of that really percussive lead into a sustained high note that's mm-hmm. just you know acapella to start with yeah. that's just on its own yeah that oh <laughs> yes <laughs> vocals over those breaks it's almost uh bluesy in a way it's not a bluesy progression but that's kind of a trick with blues where it's like mm-hmm. guitar voice guitar voice <laughs> right <laughs> so great um yeah i don't know if there's uh 
I do love the that organ tone and that little, and we've heard in the demo and the dial song, the Farfisa organ in this version was a different organ patch in the demo, and then of course it was accordion, uh, kind of a lower accordion lead in the uh, dial song. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love these multiple version song episodes. So fun yeah. to well, pick, it, pick them apart. <laughs> well, and it and it makes a lot of use of like this is. John Linnell does this all the time. The sequence where you have a phrase and then you repeat the phrase a little higher on the scale. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. that's all over the place. I mean, it's a classic pop thing, but it's so Linnell. I've said and, many times um, that I think he writes his melodies as a keyboard line and then replaces mm-hmm. them with, with the vocals when he writes the lyrics. I could be wrong, but they really feel like a melody that's written by a keyboardist. Yeah. Um, and not just belt it out, but it's like, you know, you can, you could definitely hear like an instrumental version. I didn't find any instrumental covers, but just, you know, under your fingers. Yeah. Well, that, you know, so there were, there were a few years there when I sang a whole lot of uh, Bach. Mm-hmm. And one of the best tools for singing Bach's music is to figure out which instrument he was thinking of when he wrote the vocal part because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. his parts his his vocal parts just aren't vocal there wasn't mm. there wasn't necessarily a concept of it that he he had he was not and known so was as like, a singer oh, okay I'm a, I'm a cello here i'm a i'm imitating a trumpet here yeah. and yeah it's it can be really fun to sort of access the music in that way yeah yeah i like that and uh you know and then the reverse of that with with rock bands lots of times you'll hear or I'll hear uh, vocal lines that sound like they were picked out on guitar first. Mm-hmm. Um, an example that you almost definitely wouldn't have heard of, this band I really like called Surfer Blood. Um, mm-hmm. They have all these wacky song titles because they're clearly were placeholder titles written before lyrics came in, and then yeah. they just never changed. Like there's one <laughs> called, like there's a song called Harmonics on the first album, and it's got you know guitar harmonics playing over the fret. Sure. Of, uh it's got one called neighboring riff it's got like all these things and like if you listen to the vocal lines you can see how they would fit in that kind of like in the box you might call like pentatonic more type pentatonic uh-huh. scale vocal lines and stuff like that we're like this would sound cool as a guitar solo and then maybe the guitar <laughs> plays it later so that's that's the other side of it i believe uh, rivers cuomo from from weezer it seems like a lot of his vocal melodies he wrote on guitar and then replaced the mm-hmm. vocals but um yeah, so it's uh, it's fun to kind of guess about that kind of stuff. Yeah, and man, I haven't analyzed a box song since college, but that uh, <laughs> I, I do remember that kind of thing. Um, I sang a little bit. I mean, I was an instrumental focus. You know, trombone was my yeah, in, my main instrument in college, but I uh, did have to take a lot of vocal classes and stuff like that too. But um, did you ever play a sack butt? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I do not play any old school trombones. No. Okay, the sack butt. Yes, the sack medieval butt. name for the precursor of the trombone. The trombone is a cool instrument in that it's pretty much looks like the way it did back then. I mean, yeah, forgetting about trigger trombones. You know, this the standard trombone. You you make it longer, it gets lower. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty cool. You know, as far as the physics of acoustics and all that. Um, I'm thinking, uh, the covers section, I think we should do all the covers at the end because there are covers that allude to Nina. Sure. So I think we should talk about Nina and then we'll do all the covers at the end. Does that sound like it makes sense? Okay. Here's my song. Urban 
things walking out. Burden of things walking out on earth, my Nina. On earth, my Nina. God forbid a vagrant feet. National hell marked me. Save the sparrow wants a morbid arrow. Here's a quarter, that's the wine, a wine. Maybe I'll buy the whirlwind that always keeps me yearning. Her sitters down there mourning. Her burden of things walking out. Her burden of things walking out on earth, manina. So, on earth, like we said an hour ago or more, <laughs> <laughs> on earth, manina is a song on uh, Long Tall Weekend, released in 1999. That the the story is well and it's 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 definitely true when you really listen to it that um on earth my nina is a phrase that Linnell heard when thunderbird was played backwards now um yeah right on the wiki in the trivia the song was concocted when john Linnell listened to thunderbird backwards and interpreted his reversed vocals into lyrics so it's not straight up like stillube is you know sapphire bullets right. backwards uh it's yeah. not backwards talking though a lot of it kind of makes it sound like that it's him just acapella hearing thunderbird reversed and kind of hearing that one phrase i think was probably the spark and i'm gonna go ahead and play uh i went ahead and reversed the spine version of Thunderbird. Um, I mean, what we he would have reversed in 99 was, why would he have done that? There was it, maybe some my, live version. It had, or, to have been, yeah, it had to have been a live recording that he got off a soundboard or a bootleg or I don't is, know. Is Linnell just listening to stuff reversed just for fun or what? But so That he, kind of breaks my brain <laughs> that he was, he was like, I need to listen to this backwards. <laughs> There's something to this song, but let's just do it backwards. And so I reversed... Um, the spine version. So let's listen to a little clip of that, and you will very clearly hear this on Earth, My Nina, uh, at least with that phrase in mind going in. Listen to it and check out a little bit of that. Backwards, Thunderbird. Right? I mean, you're hearing it pretty strong, right? Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to say that since I told you this is a backward, you know, whatever. I don't know if you had listened to the spine back or the Thunderbird without any prompting 
if you would have heard on Earth by Nina. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for some reason, he, he listened to his own song, Thunderbird Backwards, and uh, picked out that phrase and wrote a whole song around it. Now, it's a very simple song. It's uh, just John Linnell singing. Mm-hmm. One vocal track. That's it. Um, what are your thoughts on the song On Earth My Nina just as like a standalone song? Because when, when someone was hearing Long Tail Weekend, neither of us heard it you know, immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and wait, had you even heard it at all until I was like, check this out? No. So that was the first I... time having heard On Earth My Nina ever. Yes. What did you think of it as a standalone song? Let's say you didn't know it was a, a backwards Thunderbird. Um, <sighs> it's uh, it's a it's a curiosity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's it's. <laughs> I think if I had been listening to it in context, I would have thought, well, that was kind of interesting. What what is the purpose of this? <laughs> um, is it just some some flavoring to sort of like it's like we need a little more strange, a little more strange on this track list. Let's sprinkle this in here. It is almost um, like like people do still debate whether Long Tall Weekend is a proper album, but the band does yeah. consider it a proper album. But it has like so many tracks that again popped up on Mink Car. I mean, the fact that they released a compilation called They Got Lost, they yeah. in themselves are admitting that, okay, a lot of people probably didn't hear Long Tall Weekend. Let's put the best songs from it onto this compilation. On Earth, My Nina did not make the cut for They Got Lost. Um, no. And it is a very short album for them, 33 minutes, 28 seconds. Uh, so I feel like it is almost like they tacked on On Earth, My Nina, and then the Edison Museum, uh, which then later appeared on No. Those both feel kind of like... And and then Token Back to Brooklyn, which was the <laughs> pre-album song. If you reversed Factory Showroom on your CD player and rewinded back from tracks, it was track zero. Yes. So it it is a, almost had this compilation kind of feel with some of those songs. But yeah, track fourteen, On Earth by Nina. It's not great. <laughs> it, I, okay, so I feel like, and this is—I mean, I'm. This is a big swing. This is a big statement. It might be the weirdest "They Might Be Giants" track. <laughs> I mean, really, that's yeah. a that's a high bar, man. And it, it's almost weirder in that it feels like very little effort went into it. Yes, yeah, well, it's yeah, yeah. I think you nailed it right there because everything. <laughs> In They Might Be Giant songs is so intentional. Yeah. You know, like every time I'm listening and I hear one of the Johns sing something a little flat, I'm like, I can tell that they meant to do that. And I see how that fits the aesthetic that they were going for here. Mm-hmm. Um, like everything is just so detailed. It's um, sorry. So it, it makes me think everything is. Huh, everything is <laughs> so worked out that it makes me think of my favorite solo artist. Uh, mm. In popular music, Tom Waits, mm-hmm. where every song he records is pretty much the ultimate expression of what that song could possibly be. Like, they they really bring that incredible eye for detail. And to have something like this that's kind, it seems kind of dashed off and without knowing its origins, it's just confusing. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, it. the one thing that is very deliberate about it is them just including it on this album 
before yeah. Thunderbird ever came out. <laughs> that's such a they might be trying like, thing to do. I'm like, that's that sounds like a joke uh for John Linnell and maybe nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? A little inside joke between the Johns. Right. I you know, I think I also need to drop in some uh I sent you this when I first informed you of this connection between the two songs, I sent you this very well done uh YouTube video that Jonathan Real yeah. uh R E A L E Jonathan Real uh put together uh this video just called on earth my nina dash thunderbird and it has kind of as it goes through it kind of describes the story stuff we've been talking about how on earth my nina is backwards uh thunderbird uh but then it it does some clips and it reverses clips and puts them kind of a b against you know uh on earth my nina flipped and see how it sounds like thunderbird i'm gonna play some little clips of that too the one thing i thought was curious like i told you i flipped thunderbird spine you know myself just because that was one thing they did not include include in the video um but i'll play a little bit of this i thought it's very well done and kind of explains it as it goes along it's a five minute almost six minute video um i'll play some of that so you can hear how he kind of is giving it that almost backward sounding diction Mm -hmm. which when flipped sounds a lot like or at least somewhat like, you know, the words to Thunderbird. And and yeah. like we said, it's not him straight up backwards singing Thunderbird. He's kind of picking out stuff that almost sounds like a word from backwards Thunderbird and making it into this, you know, her burden yeah, of things a, walking out. <laughs> it's, a, it's a musical Rorschach test. Yeah. The, the phrases in this are so bizarre, I think, just because of it being inspired by backwards a backwards track. God forbid a vaguer feat. National hell mugged me. Say the sparrow wants a morbid arrow. Here's a quarter. That's the one I won. That's the one I won. <laughs> that's what like I it's, I thought I heard it as that's the one I want for the longest time. Mm-hmm. That's the one I won. As in you won it in a right quarter getting contest. I don't know. <laughs> that's the one I won. It's <laughs> so bizarre <laughs> so bizarre and yeah weirdest they might be giant song ever i mean i'd really have to think and 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 to come up with the that would be an interesting thing to throw to the to the masses in the miscellaneous t group on facebook or throw out to twitter what do you think the weirdest they might be giant songs are yeah without you know what maybe i'll do that as soon as we're done recording without prompting them is like hey on earth my nina is really weird you know i'll just you know, put that out there in the next couple of days, see what comes back. And if, uh, on earth, my Nina is, is on that list. Greg from the future, butting in on Greg from the past and Steve from the past. So yeah, I did put that out to, uh, the Twitterverse. I think that's the only social media I put it out on. I said, Hey, what are the weirdest, uh, they might be giant songs. And so I hired, uh, John Leonard, Mr. Jonathan Leonard, uh, who you just heard on the Minneapolis First Avenue episode. Uh, I said, hey, I'm doing this huge edit of this gigantic episode, and I forgot I did this thing. Can you tally up? Go back in my Twitter feed and tally up what we thought the weirdest They Might Be Giants songs were. Fans of TMBP, TMBG. Uh, yeah, my lovely Twitter followers. This might be a pod on Twitter, right? So, here's what we got. Jonathan emailed me back last night. 
Let's read this over. Okay, so the winner, the weirdest song, according to y'all, is Spider, which seems fitting. Got five votes. There were uh, 64 different songs that received at least one vote. Okay, so that's a lot of weird. 64 different songs listed. There were only two votes for Unearth My Nina. So we thought for sure, well, Steve and I did not vote, but that would be two more right there because I think it is probably their weirdest song. Because even though it's just a cappella, there's just like not much to it. It seems very tossed off. I mean, we get to it more as this episode goes on. There's still a lot more to go. But so the other winner, so it was Spider at the top with five votes. Uh, Mr. Claw with three. Minimum Wage with three. Uh, Mr. Claw is definitely weird. Minimum Wage, I don't think it's very weird. But maybe it's just because I've heard it too much. Is it weird because it's short and it only has two words and a whip crack? I don't think so. Um... But three, three of you thought so, right? Then Turtle Sounds of North America, which I think if you dig deep enough, you'll find a bunch of weird songs like, you know, Red Hair got two. I know Carrie busted that out. I can't remember who else. Uh, Exquisite Dead Guy got two. That's fairly, you know, that's not even really a deep cut, but it is weird because it's got cello making dissonant harmonies, vocals making dissonant harmonies like minor seconds and minor and major seconds and such. Uh, Lesson 16 got, oh, that just got one. Tigerella got two. Rabbit Child got two. Those are both deserving. Um, yeah. Spider. Then followed by a tie between Fingertips, Mr. Claw, and Minimum Wage. Followed by Rabbit Child and Tigerella, Turtle Sounds North America, and Exquisite Dead Guy. Oh, and Boat of Car. Oh, we had a bunch with two votes, actually. I Like Fun. Nina, I said. Red Hair. Hi, Honey, I'm Home. Door to Door Mentor. Yeah, that makes sense. Marty Beller Mask, too. And then a bunch that were one, you know. Disappointing Show, Skullivan, uh, Our Cannibal Friend, For Science, Stormy Pinkness. I mean, yeah, they have a lot of weird songs. So that's cool. I made a whole Spotify playlist. If you find me on Facebook, my Spotify playlist, I think it's just called The Weirdest TMBG. Yeah, if you search my playlists, if you find Greg Simpson on there. The Weirdest TMBG. And it is uh, 85 songs and is 2 hours and 46 minutes. <laughs> And it has all of those songs on it, I believe, except the ones that aren't on streaming. So, anyway, On Earth My Nina only got two votes. Well, Steve and I are contributing two more, so I guess it'll fall in second place, right behind Spider. Now, uh, let's get back to the episode. I think we'll have a lot of people agreeing with you there that it is fucking weird. (laughs) Maybe I'll buy the whirlwind. What? I mean, this is... I don't think it's worth in trying to interpret it at all because it's just no, because it's gibberish. just his impressions. Yeah, though the, people the do try to interpret of it. words that are made by listening to this backward thing that nobody uh, that had not been recorded for mm-hmm. release. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just glancing through the interpretations on the Unearth My Nina page, um, and pretty much just everyone being like, "Hey, it's Reverse Thunderbird." Uh, from way back in the day of the early days of the wiki, probably uh, before yeah. that was as widely known. But I don't think is anyone actually saying. Someone said <laughs> a long time ago. I commented that this song should be my country, America, my country's national anthem. <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> that would be hilarious yeah well it doesn't have a racist second verse so i guess it's got that going for it (laughs) 
uh, again, as a music teacher, I, I teach the Star Spangled Banner around Veterans Day every year. We do a Veterans Day yeah. program most years, except for last year. Uh, but yeah, we talk about the history of it. And it's elementary schoolers, so without getting too uh, yeah into the weeds with that, you know, talk about how there's some problematic stuff there. The whole story of its birth is kind of cool. Uh, mm-hmm. anyway, with the whole, you know, battle of Fort McHenry and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I digress. On Earth by Nina is a fucked up song and it's, I appreciate it more. once you know that it's inspired by hearing Thunderbird backwards, but as a standalone song, I don't know, kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, I, I, I do have some comments uh, sure. that I'm holding for the covers. Okay. So. All right. So I think, I think I think it's time for the covers. Yeah. Uh let's do I guess Thunderbird covers first. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So uh Jordan D. White, a ukulele player who has made appearances on uh the covers sections before. Mm-hmm. Um also got a, a very nice mustache like yourself. Yes. Um, this is this is um, pandemic dressing up, where I I shape my mustache into a Wario stash, <laughs> and uh, don't necessarily bother to wear pants. <laughs> uh, don't you don't need to stand up then? That's okay. If, no, I'm yeah. good. I'm comfortable. Are you? Um, so what, what shirt are you wearing there? Oh yeah. <laughs> so this is. I'm also wearing an esoteric shirt for you. What does that say? Um, it says good news. Uh, good news. This is uh, good news. So it's uh, the Ava O One from uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. This yeah, anime <laughs> that was okay. yeah, it's not important, but the it's very esoteric. It's actually from a podcast called um, Apocrypals, okay. in which a couple of uh, comic book writers go through the Bible and talk about it and try not to be jerks about it. Hmm. Um, it's very, <laughs> I was very actually good. wearing, and it's a very similar shade to the, uh, this might be a podcast t-shirts. That's why I was wondering. Yeah. Um, it's designed by Erica Henderson, who's a brilliant comic book artist. And, um, the, the reason it, it, it's, so it's the Ava one holding the broken body of Jesus as the Pieta, the Michelangelo Pieta. Mm-hmm. And it's because the word Evangelion is ancient Greek for good news. So oh, since okay. the anime is called Neon Genesis Evangelion, like, hey, good news, and here's a giant robot, mech, not really a robot, giant mechanical thing mm-hmm. uh, holding the body of Jesus. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's definitely flirting with blasphemy and uh, pretty deep it. into esoterica, so... I dig it. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, let's sh- listen to uh, let's listen to Jordan D. White here. Play it on okay. uh, ukulele. I will, I will have more. I will have something to say about Jordan D. White when we're done. Okay. And this is you can find this on both his Bandcamp page and uh, here. It's the same recording for sure. The audio from this YouTube video. Jordan D. White on YouTube. Check it out. I know. I know. I said that I would quit. All right. I promise. No more after this. You got some thoughts. I do. 
Um, first of all, well done, Jordan. He's very, very confident on the ukulele. I thought yeah. his interpretation of it to his, uh, his transcription to ukulele was very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew who Jordan D. White was because one of the co-hosts of Apocrypals, the origin of my t-shirt, Chris Sims, hosts a podcast about Sailor Moon called Sailor Business with Jordan D. White. Oh, whom well. he knows <laughs> because Jordan D. White is actually a very important editor at Marvel Comics, one of my other obsessions. For real? He wow. is currently, Jordan D. White is currently in charge of the X line of books, which is a bigger deal now than it has been for quite some time. And are we talking about um, X Men, X Force? Those, is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. it, yeah, it would be, it's not important. Yes, those. <laughs> is X Force still a thing? Uh, is there currently a title called X Force? Maybe I haven't subscribed I'm, to any comic books since the nineties. So there's there know. right now. There's um, there's X Men, Excalibur, mm. Marauder. It's not important. Okay, <laughs> um, but yeah, but Jordan, he's so yeah, he's this really important uh, figure at Marvel Comics, and I found this video when I was long time ago when I first realized I was going to be doing this podcast and I was like, Holy crap. That's he just, you go, wow. Okay. Awesome. Very cool. Um, yeah, his, you know, it's, I, I do, I, I miss Linnell's vocals a little bit. Well. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, but, but you know, you don't get to be Linnell. You get to be yourself. And I thought, I thought Jordan did a really good job. Yeah. You don't want to do an yeah. imitation. Um, I was impressed. I'm trying to remember what other song of his we've played because he has a uh, on the band camp. He has a bunch of albums called Quickie Ukulele Covers, nice. which is fun to say a bunch of times fast. Quickie Ukulele. <laughs> and there's all kinds of covers. We got Weezer, Flaming Lips, Elton John, R.E.M., um, the Mighty Mighty Boston's, yeah, he's all over the place. There's some Elvis <laughs> Costello. There's some Bowie. Uh, here's yeah. Thunderbird. Thunderbird is on Quickie Ukulele Covers Volume Five. Oh, there's so many here; it'd be hard to find. But he did end up. He does a No Effects cover. That's <laughs> on amazing. Ukulele. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ukulele is for covers, Volume Three. <laughs> anyway he's done a lot of covers of a lot of cool stuff and uh has appeared on some episode maybe two episodes before but um yeah i like it and he plays it like you said very confidently uh he plays it uh, in that aggressive nature that the song kind of screams out for yeah. yeah it's it's the the rhythmic integrity is so good and it's it's so right it really, really gets the spirit of the song right. <laughs> Accurate. Uh, so I think <laughs> uh, Stefan from SNL. I don't know. <laughs> Accurate. One of my most used gifts, I'd say. <laughs> so <laughs> this band's got everything. Weird backwards acapella covers. <laughs> Handlebar mustache. Ukulele. <laughs> I feel like talking about actually they might be giants. You could make some sort of oh. ridiculous sounding list, uh, <laughs> Stefan style. That would be the fun fun project. Occasional appearance of bass saxophone. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd say more than occasional. He loves that thing. Anyway, yeah. let's head to SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash SDDF dash one is the username. Yeah. I don't know. SDDF. I couldn't find this guy's actual name. But here's a Thunderbird cover, and uh, let's check it out. I know, I know, I said that I would quit. 
there's no more after this You don't know how it got To forget what it was like I remember now I remember now Why they called it Thunderbird Why they called it Thunderbird Man, oh man, my throat is dry So is this the one that you got some words with? Yeah. <laughs> Hit me. Um, first of all, uh, good on him for doing it. Uh-huh. He recorded a cover. He put it out there. I think that's great. <laughs> I, as someone who creates things, I don't want to. I don't want to badmouth him for for doing something. Um, it does make my skin crawl that he plays the guitar on the downbeats, and it makes it impossible for me to enjoy it. The the tempo is just a little bit wobbly as it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm sure he's a very <laughs> nice fellow, and it's you know there's a lot of things about it that are that are great, and yeah, it's just a fun yeah. song to play. Um, he's a little flat singing a lot of the time, but I I still think it's fun to listen to. You know, I yeah. is this guy's name Chris Babb? Because I'm looking at the hashtags here, and that's one of the hashtags. I don't know why you would hashtag anything Chris Babb, B-A-B-B, unless that was his name. Hashtag Thunderbird, hashtag the Hashtag Jets. your name, but not actually. That's okay. I There's some things. It's know. got some things. If you click the hashtag, though, it's a bunch of things with his picture on it. So maybe that's oh. his name. Chris Babb. What? Yeah, I'm calling that's him Chris Babb. <laughs> okay, I like it. You're now Chris Babb, guy. So, uh... <laughs> Well Let's. done, Chris, for recording this cover. And <laughs> yeah. if you choose to re-record it with uh, offbeat strumming, then I will listen to it. <laughs> let's let's jump to the MP3 I sent you this morning. Let's do uh, let's do Daryl Till's right now before we get to that next one in the email. Um, Daryl Till, aka Astral B, once again has come through with a custom cover for the show, Daryl amazing dude much props he is a guy that i mean you've listened to this show you haven't heard every episode yeah. but you've heard a fair amount of daryl till pounding on the piano yes yes <laughs> yeah astral b before i knew his real name uh has been uploading they might be giants piano focus covers since the mid aughts since youtube was basically invented and <laughs> he yeah i had used him so much and eventually became friends with him and had him on the episode for someone keeps moving my chair um He'll be coming on again for the statue got me high at some point. Oh, uh, that's a good one. Very talented man. And I have this this crew of people on on Twitter, especially where I could tweet out, Hey, I'm recording this episode in two days and I can't find a single cover. Help. And then in two days someone will get me a cover. And <laughs> and some of those awesome people, a lot of those the frequent, frequent cover coverers, you've got Carrie Hearn. Uh, screen name often Jesse Cat, and then you've got Noah Daniels, who um, we're gonna hear in a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, Noah Daniels Ludwig is his oh. full name. He's German. He's been on the nice. show as well on the whole lot of Glean episode. Um, he's he gets on a lot, uh, and then Daryl Till, and uh, and my my new friend Kai Pfeiffer, fairly new friend Kai Pfeiffer, is uh, another guy who has done custom covers. I actually, before this episode, or just like a few days ago, I sent out my 
recording schedule from now. I'm, I'm booked all the way till June at this point for recording schedules nice. once a week. And I said, hey, instead of, you know, I haven't searched for all these covers. I don't know what's lacking in covers. But instead of like two days ahead of time being like, there's no covers of this. Here's the next two and a half months of my recording schedule. If any of these mm-hmm. are really screaming out to you and you want to do a cover, great. No pressure. But if you want to. And this is the first one to result from that. Um, well, actually, Noah Daniel did send me some Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme covers, which are pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that episode will be recording in a couple of weeks. But uh, Thunderbird is the first of those uh, requests to air. So let's listen to Dale Till's uh, Thunderbird, Astral B. All right. I know, I know, I said that I would quit. All right, I promise no more after this. You don't know how I tried to forget what it was like. I remember now, I remember now why they called it Thunderbird. Why they called it Real quick, hold on. I know we're going on two hours here, but uh, I need to go upstairs to tend to my dog for one quick second. So sure just, yeah, yeah, all right. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get some water. Yeah. 
Okay, sorry about that. Alrighty. Alright, let's keep on, on trucking. So, Jared yeah. Hill's cover of Thunderbird, done especially for for you and me, man. Makes me yeah, feel Yeah, uh, and it rules. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's so good. The um, Yeah, I love the what he did with the, the rhythm to bring that driving intensity to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, per- percussion-less, but you almost don't miss it. Yeah, because... Yeah, that syncopation that he he brings in for it is so good. I really and I was really impressed that he did vocal harmonies to sort mm-hmm. of flesh it out. Yeah, even like, when there are none on the original. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not that's not from the record. Right. Um, I mean, there are some on the spine version. There are some harmonies on there, but he did yeah. like all over. Yeah, coming up with his own. Yeah, um, I should say. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I totally forgot to mention back earlier. Um, one of my other favorite things that they might be giants do, which Thunderbird does not, is um, have lower octave, lower harmonies at the octave. Uh-huh, right, <laughs> there's some, there's right. something really special about that. That's it's not common in pop music to do that, and I just like yeah, I love it. Like hot cha, and um, mm-hmm. there's a ton of them. You know, there's but, a couple um, other people that come to mind. I'm not sure if you're fans of either, but uh, Dinosaur Junior. Another one of my favorite bands. Okay. Um, he will do, well, typically the lead vocal will be kind of in a mid-range, kind mm-hmm. of, more, he's, he's probably more of like a baritone or a lower tenor, um, but then he likes doing falsetto, and sometimes he'll just double the whole song just up with like a lighter falsetto back in the mix. Right. Well, that's, um, that's fairly common, but, but doubling at the lower octave is so rare. Well, who you'll hear do that is Isaac Brock from Modest Mouse. He'll do that a lot. Now, he's not what, oh, what most people okay, would describe yeah. as a traditionally uh, good singer. You know, he's got a very right. unique voice that I love, but I, he's not like... I, I like it know, a lot. He's not going to win American Idol or The Voice or whatever. No. But he will do that uh, pretty frequently. He likes doing that kind of low down because to add a creepiness lots of times mm-hmm. to songs as well. Why he'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, as you, as you yeah. may have guessed from my love of they might giants and Tom Waits, uh, my taste in uh-huh. popular music singing styles tends towards the idiosyncratic. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite quotes there. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the, the late, uh, David Berman, um, died just a couple of years ago of the silver Jews and purple mountains. A quote from, uh, blank out which song it is. He said, "All my favorite singers couldn't sing." <laughs> this is one of my favorite <laughs> yeah, lyrics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, did you like how Daryl switched the lyric back to the Dial a Song demo version with the crawl and fall? Did you notice that? Yeah, that was really. <laughs> oh yeah, there was there was that, and all the other thing was uh, spread my. The first time he said, "Spread my drunken wings and fly." <laughs> Near the then end, spread yeah. my thunder wings. <laughs> I was like, I like, you know what? I like that. Let's, let's lampshade that a little bit just for anyone who's not uh, on board. Right. Yeah. Daryl also nice clearly change. thinks it's about alcoholism. Yeah. <laughs> and it's pretty, uh, pretty hard to deny. And I don't know what these other people are talking about. <laughs> and then this is also kind of an Unearth My Nina cover as well when he yeah. flips it at the end. That's so cool. Now, I, I think. The music is flipped, but I think he's actually singing it over the flipped music because yes. it sounds a little too much like On Earth, My Nina. It doesn't yep. sound like it's straight backwards. So he went yep. ahead and did On Earth, My Nina, uh, just a little bit of it over his backwards piano, his reversed piano take. 
Fun. Very fun. Yes, I fully endorse that cover. It's lovely. You know, he said in our emails back and forth today, he said, let me bring it up. Um, well, first of all, he said, he told me he was taking the day off to do this cover. I'm like, dude, you didn't actually do that, did you? He said he had some sort of appointment too, but he's like, I had some days I had to use. <laughs> so nice. Bless this man. Um, oh. Awesome. He also said there's homages to two other songs in this cover. Obviously, he's talking about oh. Unearth My Nina. Yeah. But what is the other one he's talking about? I don't know. I, you know, I was trying to listen to like if there was like some sort of piano counter melody or something in the harmonies. Um, okay, uh, 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 I'm, I'm emailing him back. See how quickly he responds. Hey, I, will I, say that. I give up. Other, <laughs> other than on Earth by Nina, what's the other reference? I will say that I really loved the texture that he used for the bridge. Well, or the breakdown, depending on how you like to think about it. Yeah, yeah. That was that was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely a guy that's heard uh, all these versions as he you know uses the demo crawl and fall uh, yeah. order. And he included the melt the man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, it, yeah. He's familiar with the song, obviously. It's, uh, it was, it was, it's like, a, yeah, it was very much a, a synthesis of sort yeah. of all these elements. Right, yeah. Kind of like, here's all my favorite parts of, of this song's history. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you, Daryl. Yeah. Solid, solid dude. Let's listen to, and then another guy I've mentioned, uh, Noah Daniel, uh, sent uh, these old, he sent me a couple old SoundCloud links that he'd done. Kind of a a pairing of sorts one uh on his soundcloud which is uh noah dash daniel dash one though it shows his username is takahiro 24 he is a german guy who uh is also fluent in japanese and, and knows a lot about japanese culture and stuff like that takahiro nice. 24 he sent me two links one says thunderbird parentheses backwards on earth my nina and the other one uh on his SoundCloud says, uh, on earth, my Nina parentheses backwards Thunderbird. So uh, <laughs> the one, <laughs> the one that's labeled Thunderbird, well, let's go ahead and, and listen to it. Uh, it's only 50 seconds. So it's just a little cool. sample. So it's just accordion and vocal. Uh huh. Um, and this is definitely a flipped vocal, right? Right. I'm hearing some little like those little kind of funny mm-hmm. things you hear when you turn it around. Uh, so I think what he did here with the pair, and then we'll play the other one on Earth by Nina, backwards Thunderbird, where it sounds like in order to cover Thunderbird, he did on Earth by Nina and then flipped it. Yes. And then in order to cover on Earth by Nina, 
he covered Thunderbird and then flipped it. Is what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's it's, <laughs> so, it's it's a very they might be giants idea. Yeah, it's fun. So here I'll play his Unearth My Nina covered parentheses backwards Thunderbird. <laughs> So the other um, On Earth by Nina covers, uh, let's listen to, actually, the first one, let's listen to uh, Chris Hawks first, actually. So Chris Hawks, a piano cover, uh, and you can find this on Bandcamp. Chris Hawks, as in the bird, the thunderbird, Chris, H-A-W-K-S. Chris Hawks doing a Team G cover on piano, uh, chrishawks.bandcamp.com. I just really like that he put a accompaniment to an acapella song. Yeah, that was nice. Take some creativity right there. Especially when it's such a weird song that it's Unearth My Nina is very kind of free flowing and kind of free time. There's mm-hmm. really to, kind of hard at some points where it's kind of hard to pin down even like what the time signature would be, sure. let alone a progression. So that took some work. So I, I, I like it. What do you think? It was. I, I thought it was really nice. You know, it was uh, kind of what it says on the tin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Solid. Yeah, Solid. it was a good job. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then the last cover of the episode, uh, I think we'll save the, the most famous person for last, Justin McElroy, uh, former guest of the pod and going to be on again in probably a couple months. Justin McElroy was on the Pet Name episode. Uh, and it rules. Here, yeah, yeah, solid, solid, you know, famous podcaster. Uh, the one of his I listen to the most is the classic My Brother, My Brother and Me. But he mm-hmm. also has one with his brothers and dad called The Adventure Zone. Uh, yes. It's kind of like a, I mean, how do you describe it? Like a D&D fantasy sort of yeah, tale. It's a, it's a, it's a 
role-playing game podcast and they play through these massive uh, campaigns together and i've i've really only listened fully to the first one they did balance mm-hmm. um so i hadn't heard this cover and this this is i mean this cover is amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's yeah, so right. good this is i mean this cover is amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, so right. good. So this is uh, for the the episode. If people are looking for it, though, I found just the straight up song on uh, YouTube. Someone pulled it out of the episode. So it, his character, the the Furbolg, or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. How do you say that? Furbolg. Furbolg. Uh, Furbolg. Yeah, uh, he sings it in the voice of that character. Um, and, uh, immediately after the passing of his character's father, and this is on the episode of the Adventure Zone graduation. Episode 25, Burden of Things. So let's listen to Justin McElroy sing On Earth, My Nina. Burden of things walking out. Burden of things walking out. On Earth, My Nina. Honored by Nina. God forbid her vagrant fee, national healing of me, spare once more, but her ears a quarter less the one I want. Me. I'll buy the vervine That only face keeps me our need Her sinners down there morning Do you like that? I love it. <laughs> it's because he, you know, he, we, we talked about the original thing. It's a strange fragment of, of a thought experiment mm-hmm. and what Justin does with, I don't, I don't know if he had any help on the accompaniment or, um, there's, I'm not misremembering. Am I, there's some kind of accompaniment. There. Yeah. It's like this little swelling kind of, yeah. some sort of keyboard um, pad. Pa- it's yeah. just, just like he really makes this emotionally affecting thing out of it. And yeah, um, it's in an emotional scene. It sounds like I'm definitely going back to this before I go back to the original recording. <laughs> it's so much <laughs> more, it's so much more interesting and emotionally satisfying to me. Wow. Better than the original. Yeah. Justin, nice job. Uh, yeah. I told him that we'd be talking about it today because we were talking about scheduling his next episode, which is going to be on the captain. Nice. Oh, that's yep. such a good song. Yeah, it won't be for a couple months, but uh, yeah, he's he's a little busy right now. But yeah, uh, so that'll do it for the covers. Now, let's what I will have to edit later, which is fun to do. Yeah, a couple live versions of Thunderbird. Let's just touch on them briefly because then we got to score this and, sure. and and get out of here. So, present Greg cutting in again. Greg of Saturday, May fifteenth says, "Fuck no, I'm not." re-editing this to put that back where the live stuff usually goes uh you guys will be fine with it right uh here we go live recording uh that was released in uh unlimited uh tmbg unlimited i believe yeah 
I don't know where I found this, actually. I don't think it was on Unlimited. But anyway, on uh, October 23rd, 99, like we mm-hmm. said, they were playing it. You know, it existed before On Earth My Nina in 1999. So let's check that out. Uh, that one was the MP3 attached. Uh, they might be Giants Live, yeah, doing Thunderbird long before the spine. It's new. like that i did it's yeah. you know it's it's like we're you know it's it's very similar to the demo um it has fall crawl it has melt the man um i probably should have listened to it again right before this so that i could tell you more about the instrumentation <laughs> yeah it's, it's you know he's got that organ patch that's uh pretty close to the spine it's, yeah. it's more like the spine than it is like the demo yeah. Um, so he'd already kind of switched over the patch from whenever that demo was recorded. Because this, this is the end, you know, near the end of 1999. Um, also, there's some cool bass stuff in that. Uh, the breakdown is starting to be born in this this live version. Yeah. A- and and what and Weinkoff is is messing around with some cool bass stuff on there that I I really like um, during that breakdown. Yeah. So yeah, proof that it did exist in '99. Yep, and, it was good. Yeah, and then on the live album Almanac, uh, I mean, it was a digital-only live album Almanac, on the Spine Tour, uh, 2004, so the song had been heard by people, mm-hmm. and uh, let's check that out. So, uh, John, you were going to say something about this next song? No, I wasn't, but I will. Um, this next song is on our new record, The Spine, and it's called Thunderbird. I know, I know, I said that I would quit. Alright, I promise no more after this You don't know how I tried to forget what it was like I remember now, I remember now Why they call it Thunder Girl 
Yeah, it's I, it's well. I mean, it's again, it's Fall Crawl, if I remember correctly. Um, which just like the fact that the album version is the only time they ever do it that way. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, it's, it's sure. Oh, sure. What other song did that happen in? Oh my God! There's some other example that's escaping me that I discovered through really dissecting it. Oh, I'll probably think of it right after we hang up. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 a very spiny version. You know, they're playing yep. it straight yeah. up. You know, so it's uh, well recorded and sounds great. Almanac is a fun listen uh, to hear that era of the band. You know, Marty was fresh into the band. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very very solid version. Cut. And now so back to <laughs> back to where we were. It's May 15th, Greg again. Mother fucking Christ, this edit is killing me. Um but hey, we got a Kai Pfeiffer cover, and that's very important. So uh he did it for us. Check it. I know, I know, I said that I would quit. Alright, I promise no more.
So here, here's the end. It is time for you to score two songs. Oh, you, you okay. got to give a score for both. That's right. That's right. You're getting a double dose of the TMBP uh, subjecting you to scoring, which most people hate. Some people revel in it and they love it. But what do you I, think I, about I let's so. let's score Thunderbird since we talked about it first. Okay, and we're we're scoring the song as it exists in all its multifaceted glory, like the, yeah, the entire impact yeah, just, of the song, right? Right, the song as an entity, yeah, wouldn't necessarily have to be just the spine version, right? Um, yeah, man, it's up there. It's it's a it's a jam. Um, I would probably give it. I'm I'm, I'm trying to encompass the entire catalog in my brain right now. I think I would probably give it about an 8.7. Yeah. I I think Yeah, I, I think the the Wikians are a little off in putting it above uh experimental film. I would That may be. rank over it. I mean, if I was ranking songs off the spine, psh, I don't know. Stock of Wheat's one of my favorites too. Thunderbird might be my third. <laughs> I really love Stock of Wheat. Yeah. <laughs> Thunderbird might be my third, and then maybe Prevenge, and or no, probably yeah, Thunderbird, then Prevenge, and then maybe Bastard. Uh, I don't know. There, there's so many good ones. That's uh, so what, interesting. Hold, okay, hold on. What did I give Experimental Film? Let me see. I gave Experimental Film a nine point five. That's uh, yeah. I love me some experimental film. So Thunderbird, I think sitting just a little bit behind that, it is super good. I'm going to give it a nine. All right. Yeah. Now you must score on Earth. Um, well, Justin's cover is a, a big boost to this song. <laughs> I have to say. Okay. Um, still, they might be giants. Have a lot of good songs. Your your <laughs> listeners are going to be aware of this. Uh, I'm going to give the whole song all together with everything that people have done with it uh, six. Okay, uh, you're 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 pretty much in line with the wiki users. Yeah, which is hilarious. The the scores skew very high on the wiki. Obviously, most people come on to score songs if they like them. I think. Maybe yeah. people come on and mash that zero for songs they hate, but the scores skew very high, which is what I try not to do too much with the podcast here. Um, but it's ranked 831 out of 910. So it is very, yeah. very low. Very, yeah, very low. Like, but the average rating is still 6.74, which is not that low of a score. <laughs> right. Um, I'm, yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's a cool little experiment that Linnell did, but it does feel a little tossed off, a little tacked on. Um, I like it as a concept, but don't really like it much as a song. Mm-hmm. So mm, I'm going to give it a 3.5. All right. I think that's fair. I got, you know, I got to fill out that, that bottom. You know, there's yeah. got to be stuff to compare to and I, I just recorded a Patreon episode about House of Mayors uh, last Ooh. night. Uh huh. Love House last, of Mayors. Yep, last night. That's some and weird shit. I gave the preamble Fernando Wood. <laughs> 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 I gave that. <laughs> I gave that a three. 
Yeah. Uh, Just because, you know, whatever. It's a little introduction. It's not really even a song. I gave that a three. So On Earth, My Nina is 0.5 above that. That sounds right. But still pretty low. So, um, yeah. yeah, So we're going a nine and a 3.5 from me. (laughs) And you went a 9.5 and a six. So, yeah, the big difference between the two, the listenability of the two songs. So, Steve, you got anything to plug? You're still doing Do some I, singing, uh, but I mean, we've already like, plugged your, your movie work. I've played some clips of uh, where people can hear you in movies, which is amazing. Anything else you want to plug? Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, not. Th- the short answer is not really. Um, I've been doing a lot of work over the pandemic to try to get to transition into more of a solo career than I've been doing because I've been making a living, which has been great. But um, a lot of that work is kind of uh, expensive cog work. (laughs) I feel like a a decently paid cog in a machine. So I'm trying to branch out a little more and I've been posting some videos on Facebook that you can check out. um, If people, I don't have a fan page on Facebook yet. I, I have an Instagram and okay. what it is, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, when this episode comes out, well, let me figure out, figure what it is. Uh, oh, oh, no, and, and I actually have a know. website. Here, I have a website that people can visit. And there's well, I was going to say on, on Instagram, I will tag you when this episode okay. comes out and people can find you through that. Uh, what's yeah, your website? If you, if you go to stevepencebase.com, that's S T E V E P E N C E. B-A-S-S.com. Got it. You will find my page. It has some pictures and I have some clips on there. And also, I am not any relation to the former vice president. Thank you. <laughs> I was aware of his shittiness before all y'all. He was the oh, yeah, governor of be. Indiana, right? Yeah. He's- Horrible. Awful, awful man. Oversaw a really tremendous explosion of HIV infections. <sighs> Yeah, let's let's not get into that. This already <laughs> is, I think, once all the clips go in, we'll see when I edit it, you may now take the title away from Daryl Till for longest episode. Well, I it turns out I'm better at droning on about myself than I thought. Two, two. No, I mean, come on. We, we talked about two songs, and, you know, the, talking about your movie work is definitely something that the fans are going to want to know about and that's fascinating that uh, look into that that world and uh people should go check out your stuff stevepencebase.com but Mm -hmm. man you may have bested daryl till in an episode where we just praised him for sending us a cover you may have dethroned him (laughs) for longest episode (laughs) wow i guess i'm honored so I'm saying a, a little premature, but I'm saying congratulations because I'm pretty sure Thank you. once these clips go in, we will eclipse the two hours and 25 minutes that uh, me and Daryl did on Someone Keeps Moving My Chair. Amazing. Woo! Uh, Thank is you it, so yeah. much for having me on. This was a blast. <laughs> yeah, it was, man. This is... Thanks for coming along for the ride and, and doing the On Earth My Nina because I think... Um, there's no way to separate those if i had done a separate episode on it it would have just been like rehashing a lot of the same ground so uh you you came on an adventure here and uh it was a wild wild ride and it was a blast so thanks again and uh people can find this might be a podcast this might be a podcast.com uh we're on instagram we're on twitter all those places send me emails what are your thoughts about uh, on earth my nina were we too hard on it's 
uh, at uh, thismightbeapod at gmail.com. Send me voicemails uh, and and reverse. I will reverse them. No, I don't know. <laughs> so, do your best backwards talking and send me a voicemail. 224-801-2930. Um, oh, Daryl just got back to me right at the buzzer yeah. and said... He's saying the other reference he's making, the other homage, is to Subliminal, where it's it ends the song and then immediately goes backwards. Okay. There you go. So, <laughs> yeah. This is lousy theory. And I think on that note, uh, we can call it a day. Woo! <laughs> awesome.